Welcome to another edition of Mass Mads and Ma'am. I am your host, the Outlaw LA Reds. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75. You can find the entire show on the Twitter machine at MMMShow75. Um, we're joined by most of the whole gang tonight. And we're also um, very thankful to be a part of the new LuchaCentral.com family. So I want to throw that out before I forget, because there's so much shit going on right now. So much that if I don't throw in the plug right now, I'm going to completely forget. Like, I, I actually I haven't taken notes for weeks and weeks and weeks for this show, but I actually took notes just not even with what I was going to say, but on the 15,000 topics that I want to discuss. But oh, anyway, yeah, let me yeah. let me throw out the, the shout out to LuchaCentral.com for all the news from around the world of Lucha Libre. Uh LuchaCentral.com is your new home for all of it. And don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing on a Lucha blog. Um, He's but, our homie. Yeah. And I'm still going to go to Lucha blog for a lot of that kind of uh, in-depth reporting on, on individual events. But for an overall global view of kind of what's going on, uh, LuchaCentral.com seems like for us English speakers, it's going to be the spot. You can translate articles. They got some cool video stuff up there. Um, they got contributors like Mass Republic, Cult Icons doing some great stuff over there, good reporting. And, uh, of course, Best of MMM Show is now on LuchaCentral.com. And yeah, maybe one day you'll see me on a fucking Best of MMM Show. Hey, look, you were on that episode with Marty and Byron cut it. And you notice how all the questions in that particular episode came from Byron, right? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, I did notice that. Uh, but on that note with LuchaCentral.com, I want to guide everyone to our friends at LuchaShop.com as well. Because you know what's coming out next week, Justin? Um, some kind of awesome toy? Yes, dude. The Legends of Lucha Libre muscles are coming out. Muscles like those little figures from the 80s? Fuck yeah, sir. And those are coming out Wednesday of next week. And if you order them from LuchaShop.com, they will ship within 48 hours. I think they're seven or eight bucks per three pack. There's two different three packs. Uh, get them both. They're awesome. Get two of each so you can open one and keep one in the package. I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just trying to make things easy on you. Me, Floaf, are you going to come over for Expo Lucha? It's at the end of August. Oh, I don't know. No. What? That's a long shot. Come on. You got to come hang with us in Vegas. It's going to be a blast. When I looked at the flights, they're um, nearly two grand. Ah, yes. And, and on that note, I would stay home too. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, if I, there's a one way of doing it when now where you fly from here to Iceland and then go another way around and it costs like half or something. But with all the big money that you've got, (laughs) with all the big dollars that you've got, I would think that somebody would be happy to pay to fly you into Vegas cheap. It's getting home that I would expect to be expensive. Yeah, websites, you know, checking the flights and stuff, but no. Well, Jim, Jim's already been gallivanting the world watching wrestling. He just got back from NOLA from WrestleCon slash WrestleMania week, weekend partying, right? Jimsuke Nakamura? (laughs) Yeah, it was a rather long weekend. Uh, I was actually there for a bachelor party for WrestleMania. And the entire group uh, dressed up as wrestlers on WrestleMania Sunday. I have been dubbed by some of uh, the wrestling fans as Nada Mora. So I'm just going to roll with it. 
Nah, um, dude, you're always going to be Jinsuke to us. And I mean, that works for me, it, too. But I yeah, it was a very long weekend. You dressing up as DDT superstar Shinsuke Nakamura, the original fake Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> uh, he's one of the best members of the DDT roster. He brought out a little cardboard WrestleMania sign to point at and stuff. Tremendous. Tremendous. Um, but you looked great, Jim. I've only dressed like a wrestler one time in my life, and it was the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh but it was it was a good oh, there was a dead on macho man on bourbon street on saturday night he looked phenomenal and see mine uh, stuck dude drunk lady thought i was a pirate and shit it was like was a girl dressed as shinsuke at the new japan show she was almost as good as you but you look better in the pants dude you look like skinner right now who's skinner you know, WWF superstar Skinner. Come on, chat. You know, as Gorilla, as Gorilla Monsoon would say, the alligator man. The <laughs> alligator man. Master of the fucking gator breaker. When the fuck did a British guy get here? Jesus. Meef. What What are you doing in the background? Uh, oh, um, Seal did, came to visit and he did, turned around so he wouldn't recognize him. Did we address that? Seal was like, I don't want all these honkies to get jealous of what I got going on. So he just showed, he turned around. Yeah, dude. This is what happens after Byron plays hockey, people. He comes in hot, but there's plenty of stuff to get hot about. Speaking of the word tremendous, um, my we got to mention we got to mention on keeping it 100 this week again for <laughs> something we ran on LuchaCentral.com, which was oh, so something not involving me again. Well, yes, but but here's the thing that's funny about it is it's from an old old episode that apparently uh, the the good thing is we now know that Vampiro reads. Uh, LuchaCentral.com because not only had they already talked about it on Keeping 100 a couple weeks ago, not only was it one of our highest rated episodes in 2018 that uh, almost every worker in the locker room at Lucha Underground had already seen, including Penta, somehow <laughs> Vampiro finally just gets to the clip of Eric Van Wagnen uh, talking about the whole appearance of vampiros on stone cold steve austin's podcast which is is a really great clip you can go see it on luchacentral.com right now it's the best of mmm show number one clip it's our first clip because it's the most pertinent recent thing going on and so vampiro finally reads it and this motherfucker gets all kind of crazy with the heat on <laughs> twitter now i think he was only being half serious but man he came in hot did you guys read this thing yeah, he went on a nice little diatribe. Oh, but I think Austin wants to chime in. This is what happens when you call someone chubby on my fucking show and you don't eat meat. That's all I got from the Twitter thing is something about not eating meat and chubbiness. I, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds it sounds about right. Oh, I mean, one love was said like 10 times. No, it's just... First of all, I don't understand that. No. He's Mexican or he's Canadian, but I don't understand where any of that lands. He's Mexican. Uh, yeah, but where does that where does that get him into Bob Marley territory? America. <laughs> but um <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like he can't even meet in the middle there. But um basically oh what the fuck is that with this chair? He's like <laughs> What, what, are you, what is going on, hot mess? What's going no one, on? No one knows. No one. I'm just doing my best. It's like it's basically words were said in affection. Like I love Vampiro. I don't know why he's a vegan. 
he's crazy and he's kind of an asshole and he, you know, that's my vampiro. It was something like that. And he goes, what? I saved my life becoming vegan. So what's the problem there? Blah, blah, blah. And whatever. And then Okay. So, okay. The real question is, do we have any heat with vampiro? Not, not does he have any heat with us? Do we have any heat with him? I, would I mean, say, you sound, you sound like you're pretty, you're pretty hot at the fact that he's a vegan, Byron. Me, he, he I would say sense. I'm not a, I don't have heat with them because I, I did him a huge solid recently. I don't know if you heard. I've got heat with him, but I'll tell you why in a second. Anybody else got heat with them? Uh, he, he reached out to me and said, Casey, yeah. I know you weren't involved with that shit show of an episode because the Stone Cold impressions would have been good. So, you know. I have no heat with you, brother. I ordered this Chinese food last night, and then whatever I didn't finish sat on my coffee table until now. Thank God we have a mute button. Um, He might die. Eric Van Wagnen's Stone Cold might not have been good, but mine was solid. I thought mine was was okay, and I was just paying homage to your Stone Cold impression. Yeah, you know, everyone likes to schedule shows that need Stone Cold impressions while I'm in class. And it's not like I could say, excuse me, teacher, teacher, I need a moment to imitate Stone Cold. Could you hold up the whole class for me so I can do it? Well, due to the fact that we were attending Lucha Underground tapings on the weekends, then it was impossible to do the show any other time besides Wednesday or Thursday, which I know it was impossible to do the show most of the time. Well, when you're trying to arrange schedules with five people and four different time zones one of them being the uk it can be a little tricky okay okay so i'm gonna tell you why i have heat with vampiro i have heat with vampiro because he didn't get hot at this sooner it would have been great to have like some resolution to this like the original story ran while lucha underground was still taping if he'd gotten hot at it then it'd have been great for everybody we could have got him squared off with EB dub we could have had them confront each other could have been all kind of heat and drama would have been very very interesting they could have gotten things off their chest now because it's after the fact they're like oh let's go have sushi that's not fun he, he I could have saw your, your you MMF MMF going at it during the tape you? you know like you know, everybody you else was going at it during the tapings. Uh, I mean Vamp was calling Penta chubby Vamp was or uh, Penta was making t-shirts you know <laughs> And, and if, if you read the, the article on LuchaCentral.com today, um, it, which is highly accurate, when the AAA guys came up to Lucha Underground, it seemed like uh, to any onlookers that there was still heat with Penta and Phoenix, regardless of the fact that uh, everyone wanted everything to be groovy and Penta was there. And there, there was some grumpiness going on. It was like, Vamp had just done this weird thing with Penta that didn't really seem that bad, but maybe it could be taken the wrong way. The AAA guys were all up at Lucha Underground. The whole thing with Pentagon and using the name hadn't been resolved yet. Like, there was some, there was a great amount of tension. This was not the same levels of tension that maybe the uh, the Ricochet leaving Lucha Underground situation Ooh. was like. Yeah, that guy. Um, Never heard of him. Prince, Prince Ricochet. King King Puma, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that guy. He's a great wrestler, though, by the way. Yeah. I'm I'm actually very happy with him this week. Byron, you're eating on the show. You're stealing my gimmick, you son of a bitch. I'm going I'm getting food poisoning on the show. Anyway, yeah, you might die if you're on the show. So in, in the third piece of Lucha Central related uh info today, they just dropped a huge story. Um 
which I had gotten, I had gotten wind of several of these pieces, but obviously I did not have the ability to fully corroborate uh, some of this story. Look at me. My, I'm going to uh, break the story because I have a mask. With my Spanish not being so good. All right, you want to break the story? Let's see how you do with this. Break the story, Byron. Explain it to me. Booyaka, booyaka, 619. That's not even what I'm talking about. But I guess I was, that's the fourth piece of news. I was, I was, I was just, you know. Yeah, actually, there's like five pieces of news because Rey Mysterio is just all over the place. Is this news? Only is he wrestling at triple at triple A's uh, Verano de Escandalo? He's wrestling in the Greatest Royal Rumble as well. And he's isn't he in the Super Juniors? And yeah, he's, and and he's supposed yeah. to be doing something for New Japan. Um, this is very interesting. So, from what I can tell, with the Ray scenario. He still has his uh, legends contract with WWE where he, he shows up and they can book him for gigs and do merchandising stuff with him, but he's not exclusive to them, which makes the contract awesome, but also means he doesn't appear regularly. So if he wants to make some real cheddar, he's got to take his services elsewhere. Ooh, you don't want to make too much cheddar. You get stomach pains. Um, you know, uh, I'll leave it to everyone's imagination whether or not Lucha Underground shelled out some cheddar for him to show up this season <laughs> or not. Um, but clearly other people are willing to do that. And AAA was not one of the ones that I thought was going to be on that list. I, I, yeah, I mean, that one was a surprise. Um, but this goes to show you kind of where the wrestling world is headed right now. And in the craziest wrestling news of this crazy news filled week of which we, we can go all the way back to before Connor was in jail this last week. And there was all sorts of stuff going on. We'll get to a lot of that. But um, LuchaCentral.com basically broke the story of why Pentagon now has three gimmicks. <laughs> three. I'm got three gimmick. Hey, he's, he a big, is, he's a big Cactus Jack fan, sir. You got to get three gimmicks. Yeah, three working at the same time in different promotions. So, Which one is this dude love? We have... Uh, Penta Zero M or Pento Cero Miedo, which is the uh, the version of Pentagon that guys like Mifloaf get to see when he travels internationally or he works indie dates, uh, AW and, <laughs> and Wrestle Circus and whatnot, which we've been seeing him do. He's got his Pentagon Dark gimmick, which is his Lucha Underground gimmick after he uh, went to the dark side of already being a dark side character. <laughs> he just started wearing all black. That's and he started wearing all black, and he Dr. went a Place. little bit darker, and that made him more of a tweener. I don't know. Somehow, Matanza on his first match out. Yeah, he does the same thing. He does the power driver on the apron to Matt Riddle, and then he loses to him. It's the same gimmick every match. Man, yeah. speaking of gimmicks, you you went all Chris Tucker on us for a second there. Damn. I put a lot of effort into the show. <laughs> Got knocked the fuck out. Your voice uh, went like three octaves higher. That was kind of cool. I didn't know you could do that, Byron. I, I could do a lot of stuff. Can, uh, do you think we could get Chris Tucker for this show? And now, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, I don't think we can. Remember when you tried to you tried to like really put some bass in your voice, and you're like, "This is what I really talked like." We're like, "Shut up, Justin." That's true. I do. I tone it. I tone it down for our <laughs> our Caucasian viewers. Or as I like to say, our, our Afro-challenged viewers. If we weren't a Lucha Libre MMA theme podcast, but we were like a like a like two a.m. Have you seen my Black Panther jazz, podcast? Smooth jazz. I have. Um, 
AM radio station, what, what would your voice be? Adult, perspective. Adult, adult contemporary. If you're an adult contemporary podcast. You're listening to the mellow sounds of Spyrogyra coming up next. Wow, I think it just moved. <laughs> it's terrible. Hey, did someone check the chat room to see if anyone's pregnant? Why? Have you been following Mr. Hashtag- Krabs? Yes, Mr. Krabs is pregnant. Oh, well, that's a travesty upon the society. We must do something about that. I think Byron is single-handedly trying to impregnate anyone who is posting under the hashtag fine women who watch WWE or whatever it is. That's a trap. Uh, um, I do want to say that Andre Nichols in the chat says, I, I might. Every black person has a non-threatening voice. Yahoo serious. You know, I think that secretly all of those accounts posting to that hashtag are Chris Hansen. I'm just saying have a seat um <laughs> okay so i was talking about the 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 penta phoenix thing yeah so mm-hmm. you can read you can read the luchrocentral.com uh version of events which yes and you can like it and you can comment on it it's got like this whole social media thing behind it it's fucking cool like you can go to the mmm show post and say where the fuck is casey not that, that would be guys- that would be greatly appreciated. You should actually all register for an account. Go in there, hit the like button, throw some comments up there. Tell us if you love it, hate it. Tell us what you would want to see as the best of the show. And the thing that's uh, cool about those clips too is they're Josh Pillow sized. Even Josh Pillow can watch those. They're not three hours long, people. They're like they're all under ten minutes. You know, yeah, going four hours tonight. Right? First person to do that should be Casey. I already signed up and liked that shit, dude. Did you? Yeah. I got that luchid gringo name before that fake motherfucker. Come on. Yeah, you didn't see Casey dancing a jig in the DM about that. So anyway, let let me break down this this Penta Ray Phoenix thing. I think we've talked about the Ray thing. That's just surprising um, that he is choosing to go back to AAA, but that's also showing kind of where things are at from – from what I understand, and I don't exactly know how this works, but things in Dorian's office have changed a little bit recently. Um, Dorian Roldan, who is the the head of both AAA at this point and Lucha Libre FMV, which controls the intellectual property of Lucha Underground. Um, I don't know if he's taken a step back or if he's just listening to the council around him. Um but things have changed at AAA a little bit since the uh, previous regime of a few years ago where only the old guys could get over and get through. And it also seems like he's stepping away from some of his grudges. Um, and I don't know that the deal that AAA and, and the Lucha Brothers have worked out is necessarily anything that any of them is jumping for joy over. But I think that it is a great sign that they've all kind of put aside differences to to try to work together. And at the bottom, at the, at the end of the day, the bottom line is it's money. People, this is not a, this is not a bunch of people who, and this is the way it always works in the wrestling business. First of all, never say never. I keep hearing people. Oh, this is never going to happen. Oh, Penta will never work with Dorian. Dorian will never compromise with Penta. blah, blah, blah. I've been hearing that shit for two years now. And the whole time I've been saying, ah, you never know. The Lucha underground factor kind of changes things a little bit. And then the TNA thing kind of changed things a little bit, but people are cooperating and we're talking industry wide right now. Things like Rey Mysterio coming back to AAA, things like MLW somehow being able to get into the mix. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, there's weird stuff going on where everyone is looking at this in a new light. 
And I have to say, if you go back in time, there's been a couple other moments in wrestling that have been like this. One of them was the McMahons trying to go national instead and getting out of the territory system. And, and a little bit of that is what's going on here, where you had a lot of the old NWA territories kind of saying, nah, that's not going to work. You're crazy. You're pipe dreaming. But in this scenario, that's more like the WWE. And mm. everybody else around, if they start working together, if they start looking at new formats, new platforms, honestly, the smartest thing right now would be if Twitch just started a channel, made it a subscription-based channel, charged the same money that WWE is charging, but it's everything else that's out there. It's Lucha, it's Impact, it's MLW, it's House of Hardcore, it's Wrestle Circus, maybe even Fold Ring of Honor in there. If you charge that same money that WWE is charging and you had content round the clock of all these great promotions and what they're doing, and you start talent sharing and running storylines through the whole rest of the wrestling world could maybe finally compete with WWE. And you I think something WrestleCon weekend was a great example of that. Go ahead, Casey. Uh, I got, you know, I got something I want to say on that, that I, I think Casey. we're in for a major, major, Casey. what? <clears throat> yeah. You told me earlier, you had something to say about this. Um, I just wanted to remind you so you could say it. Okay. Um, there's, there's some weird buzz. Uh, like, you know, you hear rumors about Vince wanting to sell the WWE a lot lately. Right. But it's like, I think it's real, dude. Like I'm hearing it from people that should know better now. And I think that he's legit trying to sell the company. And, uh, so I think we're in for a major landscape change across all of professional wrestling coming up soon. That can be pretty interesting. And WWE's doing weird shit. Like you guys saw that they're working with impact now, right? Like to get the Matt Hardy footage on the yeah. DVDs and Blu-rays and shit. Yeah. Like that's, I believe that's a UK distribution deal. I don't know that you're going to see that in the States, but at the same time, the, the Connecticut office is in fact working with people over at <laughs> impact. It's fucking weird, man. Like, I know it's different people running Impact than the hillbilly bullshit that was there before, but damn. No, they just get inducted to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's true. Uh, if you guys have ever if you guys have ever read Gary Hart's book, which I highly recommend, um, he just calls Jeff Jarrett that goddamn hillbilly piece of shit through the whole book. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty I good. Mean, but if you look at it, too, everybody, everybody who's running the big pieces of this business still came through the WWE system. You know, that's not NWA. What they either came from WCW or WWE at some point in time. Even the ECW guys who never really became part of WWE still had a little bit of that WWE influence. And that's a good thing though because these are the guys that are responsible for running all these other programs and they're responsible for being the agents now in all of these promotions. Hell, even Lucha Underground who yeah. are your agents? Striker, London, Chavo. Who are, you, who are your writers? Who are your who are your writers? De yeah. Joseph. Come on, and and Eric Van Wagner. He did tough enough, yeah. guys. And Legends House. Legends House. These are not people who didn't come through the <laughs> WWE system. So there's something to be said for all of the talk of how much you hate WWE. It's like the people that are doing the stuff that you like. A lot of them are still people that came through that system graduated that system and then went out and said, oh, well, if I took this part of that system and then did this and this with it, it would be better. 
You know, the guys that are overrunning Impact now. Come on. I mean, those guys are all old ECW, WCW, and WWE guys. John Callis, yeah, he was... Um, all of those, right? <laughs> but Scott Diamore, did he do WWE? I thought he was... Yeah, he did jobs. He was a job guy in, like, the early 90s. But uh, that's how you learn. How are you going to put on the big show if you've never been to the big show? Right. How are you even going to compete with the big show if you've never been to how, the big show? How is no one singing the theme song... After all these mentions of the big show, say it. Sing it, Byron. <laughs> See, me oh, fucking stopped. <laughs> stopped, God damn it. Oh, oh sad. I left someone else sad inside. I prefer, I prefer Giants Dungeon of Doom <laughs> music. Do you remember that? He didn't have music. Ah, it would go like. He did. Oh. Yeah, see, fucking Jim knows. I, I have something. To, I have something to admit to you all, all the listeners, all the people in the chat room. I have resubscribed to the WWE Network. You picked a good time. I think I have a reason, and it wasn't WrestleMania. WrestleMania was because you get it for free. No, dude, I did it because of all the WCW Saturday Night episodes. Because oh, yeah. I think. I can speak for everyone else here when I say no. I had an affair with Ricky Steamboat. Watch the episode; you'll know what I mean. It's one of the first few. Um, basically, like Man. every girl in the audience grabs the mic and says, "No, I had an affair with Ricky Steamboat." And then they, they're like, "No, you slut!" And then they would bleep out "slut." And then uh, Rick Rude's just standing on the stage, like, "I have no idea what's going on." It's That's fucking funny. great. And because uh, the whole angle was that uh, Ricky Steamboat was trying to put the bone on Medusa while still being married. Way to go, Ricky. Well, and this is this is honestly my whole point. I think that if I, I think Twitch is probably the right platform as much as I can't believe I'm saying that. But their success with with what was going on at WrestleCon this weekend, their success with AAA minus Kevin Gill doing uh, commentary, their success with uh, uh, Wrestle Circus. <laughs> I really think that now is the time, and if promoters want me to handle this for them, I'd be glad to take a piece for, for, for this idea and making it happen for you. I think that now is the time to really approach Twitch with something bigger and, and for everyone to stop thinking so small, to stop thinking about just getting over House of Hardcore on there, just getting over mm -hmm. Wrestle Circus, just doing yeah. some stuff from Impact on there. I think that now everybody should start looking at how can we really monetize in a selective culture? Every time before now in history has either been a pop culture or a folk culture. This is the first time that anyone on this planet has ever lived in a selective culture where people get to pick what they want, period. They get to pick their own style. They get to pick from 10 million radio stations. They get to pick from 10 million podcasts. They get to pick their entertainment. You've got to cater to that now. Netflix is killing it because they cater to that. They're dropping in these huge, awesome shows without any publicity ahead of time, and they're monetizing it simply because people will send them 12 bucks a month. Ooh. And they can get everybody to do it because they allow you to choose what you want. They're not trying to force feed it to you. It's up to them to just make good product and give you a distribution platform that they charge you for that you can access that good product. Twitch should do this with wrestling. They can give me my hardcore wrestling. They can give me my Lucha Libre. They can give me my WWE Lite or whatever impact is these days. They can give you all those different forms of wrestling in one location that you can pick from. And if they put it in an on-demand system, that's where the money is, people. I'm telling you, that would change the entire game for the better and 
all of the people out there that love all of that other kind of wrestling, they will pay that $10 a month. They will yeah, pay it. Fuck. On demand back catalog. It'd be insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you see what, how indie shows are doing right now. I mean, people are paying 30, 40 bucks to go to their local indie shows. There's, there's indie shows, packing houses everywhere right now. And PWG can't even stand their tickets, Jim, a hundred dollars a month. Or, yeah. How much yeah, do you spend? On, yeah, how much do you spend on PWG in a year, Jim? I don't know. At this, I don't want to think about it at this point. I mean, considering for PWG next weekend, I'm only going to night one, and I spent a hundred bucks for my front row seat. Don't get me wrong; it's probably going to be worth it. But still, yeah, and that's I'm, the whole point. It's going to be worth it for you. It's going to be worth it, and yeah. that's on top of whatever merch I'm going to buy. Yeah. So. So instead Very of trying to nickel and dime a hundred people on an IPPV, you know, a hundred percent of nothing is nothing. Ten percent of a fuckload is also a fuckload, and that's the way these guys need to start thinking. Like if they could get, if if ten of the best companies out there could each get, you know, eight to ten percent of the monthly revenue of ten dollars a head of, you know, a hundred thousand people subscribing to a new twitch wrestling network that'd be a ton more money than they're scraping together having 300 people buy an iPay-per-view. hey guys who do we get the rights for like wing and iwa japan and start our own network the fucking shitty japanese deathmatch network i want to do Maybe. why don't you just i said shitty and this is why jason the terrible won't accept my friend request on facebook <laughs> god damn it why not fix that only friday the 13th <laughs> Yeah, I hope everyone watched my Jason the Terrible versus Jason the Terrible casket match that I posted on, uh, that I tweeted out to everybody today. So you did that today? Yeah. Casey, yeah. here, here's here's my question for you coming out of this whole thing. Again, I'm not going to dissect the whole story. You'll hear me talk more about my theories of what's really going on behind the scenes um, over the next few weeks. We got plenty of time to talk about it. Read the story on LuchaCentral.com for now. But... Mm. Is this going to dilute the brand, especially of Pentagon? Nah, dude. Fucking, ha he could call himself fucking like Pentagon Pink and become an Exotico and fucking. Okay, but 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 here's the real question. So Lucha Underground really got him over. Like he was in AAA and and, and he was sweet, but that's because we knew the performer was sweet. His gimmicks and the way he was being used in storylines was not sweet in AAA. Except for, you know, running, just ruining Australian suicide's life at every moment that he possibly Correct, could. correct. Which was kind of entertaining, and I like Australian suicide, but that gimmick had run its course. That was like two years of that shit. Mm -hmm. So you got you to gotta give Lucha Underground and Krista Joseph and, and Skip, who came up with the arm-breaking thing or whoever did that. That was me. You got to give those guys credit for really putting Pentagon where he is right now. So, mm -hmm. But my question is... Is that still the place that you care about him the most? Oh, fuck is yeah. It gonna, is it going to water him down if he's just doing matches in Impact and it doesn't have the, these storyline elements to it and that, that character? Is it going to piss you off if he goes back to AAA and feuds with Australian Suicide some more? Like, what, what, what about Pentagon is really getting him over? Because he goes and he does these indie shows and they're great, but it's just one match. There's not a whole lot of a storyline going into it. Right. Um, is that is that hurting the business if you don't carry through storylines and feuds no, with these man, guys I mean, that are moving around? Watch watch New Japan. How much of that is really storyline based? I mean, you know, there's like 
some storylines, but you know what I mean? Like you can have a feud based on matches and who's to say impact won't put them in angles. They could come up with whatever the fuck they want. They could, they could have fucking broken <laughs> Pentagon junior and at the fucking Pentagon compound and, and, you know, Lucha brothers, I knew you'd come. They can do that shit if they wanted. Like they can do whatever they want. Like, uh, I don't think of them as a particular, particularly creative company storyline wise. And I think that, uh, I don't know if they've ever had enough stability to be creative. No, because yeah. everyone's gone by the time oh, they start a fucking storyline that's good. Yeah, it, which is a huge problem. They, they yeah. Just, um, Triple A versus Impact. Triple A versus Impact. Oh, well, not Triple A so much. Like More like the Mexican guys coming up because it was Gaza, I think, with Tejano. So it was technically a guy who just left Triple A. But like, they were teasing that a pay-per-view and then blessed Tejano has never been back. <sighs> well, and, and that's the other thing too. It's like, it, this is also making me realize like, I'm, I'm glad that Ray Phoenix and, and Pentagon won. Let's just call them winners at this point, because here's, yeah. here's where it stands for those guys. Now they're getting their booking fees and they're getting the higher booking fees. And then anything that Dorian is getting is above and beyond that as a, as a licensed usage fee. So he's happy. They're happy because basically they've just created more money. The only place that I think that they're not happy is that, you know, Pentagon and Phoenix aren't wrestling in Mexico on AAA with conditions that they like and storylines that they like. And, you know, and now for Dorian, if they do ever do that, he's going to have to pay them a shitload more and treat them way better than he's used to treating people. So oh, whatever that is, that's what it is. <laughs> I have but, to, I have to answer something from the chat guys. Um, yes. I got an arm breaking gimmick came from the movie blood sport. Okay. There you go. All right. I don't disagree <laughs> with that. If he dies, he dies. That is not that. That's movie. Not blood sport. <laughs> anyway, no, it's a movie though. So the the yes. setup for Penta and Phoenix at this point is if they work TV in America outside of Lucha Underground, they have to do it through their AAA license. If they work any kind of national TV, which means that uh, Lucha Libre, FMV or AAA or whoever controls those licenses will get a license fee for them to do those gimmicks. But you can fully book them to show up as Pentagon Jr. and as Phoenix with their library footage from AAA, like you saw, which confused the shit out of a lot of people, why he wasn't being referred to as Pentagon Dark and why he wasn't uh, being uh, shown footage from Lucha Underground or the Indies. It was actual AAA footage of Pentagon Jr., which is what you're going to see on anything nationally televised in the States. So that's the way it's working. If you see them on the indies, if you show up at AW or Wrestle Circus or someplace else and there's a Pentagon match, it's going to be Penta Zero M. That's it. You get the indie version of Pentagon or you get Lucha Brothers, which is a gimmick they own, or you get Ray Phoenix. If it's at Lucha Underground, <coughs> it's still also Phoenix, though the character is slightly different from the AAA Phoenix because the character's just evolved over three seasons. Mm -hmm. And you get Pentagon Dark. And that is still under their regular Lucha Underground contracts, which they have three, count them three seasons left on. Not years, seasons. 
So take that for whatever it's worth. Those seasons could come and go super duper fast. Filming in summer. Well, and I keep hearing that. And I hear that from talent that should know better. I hear that from everybody out there that Lucha Underground is going to be back. But everyone that I've talked to who is in a position who should know those things has not said anything to me about the fact that it will be back anytime sooner than LA can afford to bring it back. And no one believes that that's going to be on the current budget that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, I also don't know that El Rey has complete access to their whole budget. It might be their parent companies that are controlling when that gets doled out. So maybe there will be another release of funds in a third or fourth quarter that will allow Lucha Underground to come back. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure the jefes at Lucha Underground would love to do another season right now. If they could turn it around and do another season tomorrow, I'm sure they would. Um, especially DJ. I'm sure he's got more than 20 episodes of ideas. In fact, I'm almost positive that DJ and Roche probably had to cut several ideas that they wanted to do because they just didn't have enough time to pull it off. They didn't have enough time to get all the wrestlers in town that they wanted. They didn't have enough time to expand the stories to the level that they wanted. But I'm also pretty sure that a nice, compact 20-some-odd episode season is going to straight fire, too. There's not going to be any of those sleeper episodes full of duds uh, this year. Yeah, no sexy star-centered episodes that are. Yeah, they had to. Oh, cut. what are you talking about? That that one sexy star-centered episode that they filmed this season is great. She's hey, they're sexy. gonna have to kill her somehow. So every woman is sexy, and every woman is a star. So they're gonna have this fucking represent all of them. Would it be funny if because of her that tagline that she would always give, like you just started calling every woman on the Lucha Underground roster sexy star? Because yeah, then you don't sexy and every woman is a star. Okay, speaking so of women different. Speaking of women on the, the Lucha Underground roster, we have to talk about the, the elephant in the temple. God damn, now everyone's going to know all the jokes I was making <laughs> saying that, you know, I'll watch the show as long as Jack Evans is on it. God damn it. Well, Jack is gone. Uh, oh, on, shit. Fuck on this. Angelico is gone. Actually, I can call him Angelico again now because he's not in a Lucha Libre promotion. So he's no, no longer not. Angelico. You're not going to call him anything because he won't be on wrestling TV. I have, I have to say, I feel like these two guys are the big losers right now for this week. Whereas Pinta and Phoenix and, and Rey, Rey Mysterio is the the king winner i think this week because basically he's just like hey guys i can go everywhere not just anywhere but everywhere literally um and and ray and our phoenix and penta are close to that now um though i don't think we're going to see them in wwe until their lucha underground contracts are over um but jack evans and and helico what the fuck do those guys do now they've burned the bridge at triple a they've burned the bridge with lucha underground and Helico doesn't live anywhere near here. Jack can barely ever find his passport. And I love Jack Evans. Like, yeah, that's I love the homie. Both those guys, man. They're, that's they're the good. homie. Not only is he great in the ring, he's been nothing but but kind in person right. and very forthcoming about everything that's going on. And I've kept anything that he said to me mostly on the down low. Um, but he has stated exactly why he is leaving Lucha Underground. Yeah, which is you know what? He's a straight shooter. He's not going to fucking bullshit you. He'll just, if someone asks, he'll just say, yeah, well, this is why I fucking left. And it's kind of a hot take. 
And since Justin's off camera, I guess I will deliver the hot take. Wait, should I be off camera too, Justin? That'd be nice. I don't want to get blackballed in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> Beef. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a fucking pair of balls in the background on my video feed. Don't That's match yours. Ass. Sorry, did I have? Do I need to drop this? Do I need to drop this, dude? I was going to, but Meef made me laugh so fucking hard I almost died. Okay, look, I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> Evie has heat. Evelise has serious heat. Um, oh, you don't say. Every England And and Jack Evans is not afraid to say it. Oh, you're not talking about Will Osprey, who said the same thing without mentioning your name last year. Well, well, Osprey was yeah, like yeah. he made like a fart joke video, and then she didn't have a favorable reaction. She didn't think it was funny, and then there were certain opinions about that. Reaction. Look, I'm I'm a big fan of Evil East. I'm not even gonna bullshit. I, I, and I know that I know that Jack has has heat with her, and I'm not here to defend or condemn her at all. But I will say that uh, uh, this is not news to me. <laughs> no, that I have I have heard many of the stories, and I'm saying stories because I'm it's plural, and she yeah. does have she does have some heat, and Jack Evans is just not the guy that's gonna put up with it for too long, and 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 here's the thing, I think that he tried to deal with it, I think that he went along, I think that Jack uh, played ball right up until the end, and I think that Jack just turned to everybody and said, okay guys, we're at the end of this thing now. Can I stop playing ball? Can I just move the fuck on now or what? Like this is not this is not going to work for me like this. And hey, and that's just Jack. He's just like, you know, I'll I'll land on my feet. I'll find something else, but I'm, you know, I I don't really want to be in this particular environment. I yeah, think that Let's be real though. I if you look at his uh, Twitter and all that stuff, I don't think he had that second part of the thought. I don't think he had the I'll land on my feet part. He just was like, hey, I don't want to work anymore. Yeah, dude, you know what? He just had another kid. You know, yeah, so why not quit your job? No, yeah, but Jack, Jack also could have pieced out a lot sooner. Like, um, you know, and, and I'm not going to reveal anything about what's coming up on Lucha Underground, but I'm just going to simply say that I know for a fact that Jack showed up and did the right thing, period. Yeah. And that he always has shown up and done the right thing. And the only time that he's finally said enough is enough was was further down the line. I'm not going to say that those situations were always appropriate. I wasn't in those situations and I don't know, but I think that Jack, um, for whatever you think about him is a decent enough guy to live up to his obligations and fulfill his commitments, uh, in an appropriate fashion and then throw up his hands and say, fuck it. I mean, but everyone has done, done a little bit of that. And, and here's the other thing, man, it's wrestling. Never say never, because there are a lot of people that have Jack's back. There are a lot of people who love Jack, love Angelico. Um, I feel bad for Angelico because, you know, when he was like, yeah, I'm quitting Lucha Underground. I'm like, oh, you were on Lucha Underground? Uh, <laughs> he was so injury prone and injury ridden that I, I had forgotten. I had honestly forgotten, which also shows the power of, of the, that Lucha Underground has is the fact that, honestly, as much as you, you want to love the guys who have been there, they can make new stars. They're not, they, yeah. they're, they don't have a difficult time making brand new stars out of good raw talent. It just, oh, no. that'll be seen in season four. He had that Quirno sure. third season, yeah. didn't he? What's that, Meef? He, he had that Quirno third season where you're injured for the entire thing, come back at the end. Yeah. Which, by the way, is the only reason I've ever had heat with Quirno. Like I, I, 
I always make fun of it, but my my big heat with Cuerno was the fact that they created this character. I absolutely love the character. Then the character just disappears. And then the same thing happened with with Evil Lee's last season, where yeah. she got booked in an Ultima Lucha match at the beginning of the season, and then you don't see her until the end of the season. And it wasn't just like that on TV. It was like shot in that order. No, yeah, it was like that yeah. in real life where everyone, we all kept going, "Where's Evie? What's what the fuck's going yeah, on here?" They, they gave well, her the, we weren't because we saw her get hurt, but uh, yeah. the same leg. They gave her the big Ultima Lucha match, and then they give her a big uh, storyline angle with Sammy Callahan, um, and they were like really getting behind her. And then, yeah, then like in a big way, then she uh, disappeared. But these things happen, and this is the problem with not having a weekly television show where you can really write your way out of those things real time and just kind of shift and pivot. You know, you've got these storyline arcs, and when people disappear they really disappear and it's hard to get them those big comeback moments like you can in WWE where you can time it out right based on the crowd reactions or you're hitting the right city. You can have them come and work dark a little bit. Like with Lou Underground, they filmed that whole shit in a month this year, guys in a month. Like if anybody got injured this season, they're, they're just gone. That's it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> There's nothing up, you can do. Like, you know, everybody already knows that uh, uh, Rick Knox had a little bit of surgery. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what do you do then, man? Your whole season is just screwed. What what happens? That's tough. That's a tough break, and that's a hard way to run a wrestling program where you're counting on somebody every week. I mean, think about if you had a weekly, you know, drama. If you're shooting Hawaii Five O, and one of your main talent on Hawaii Five O all of a sudden, you know, gets ill and has chicken pox for two weeks or or mono, whatever. Yeah, and they're just fucked. What do you do? You got to write them out of the whole show. It sucks. You, you can't know, stop filming. Wrestling wants a movie. Just postponed filming for three months. I mean, look at that season of X Files where Scully was pregnant, and the way that they had to write around that—they had to film a whole bunch of stuff for a whole bunch of episodes for her to be in them for like four minutes before she got to looking like she wasn't, <laughs> you know, not pregnant. So just you had to wear a lot of trench coats. Yeah. yeah, and they had to rewrite their whole season. You know, that's just the way it goes. It sucks because, like, when you think of wrestling injuries, most of them are, like, four weeks and above, you know, when it's when it's even something relatively minor. You're you're doing a lot of time off for that. It's just it's, – it's fucked up. But if I was personally running a promotion, like, say I started a promotion tomorrow, I would want both Jack and Angelico in there. Well, who? But that's my question for you, Casey. Where Where did Jack and Angelico go, or for any of you guys? Where do they go now? I mean, Angelico's working everything available in Europe, and I hear TNA's hiring. Uh, I love that joke. That's a good joke. Jim Angle. What were you What were you saying, Meef? Well, it doesn't. I heard like that, like moving to Europe or something. That's a good point. What, Byron? What? 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 Price check on a jackass. What were you saying, Meeplo, before Byron interrupted you? Again? Apparently, he's moved to Europe or moving. Yeah. Hey. I you know that kind of. He was li- living here. He was living in Italy for like, a long ass time before he went to AAA. Like, he went to Mexico and then he went to Italy and then back to Mexico. I'm pretty sure it sucks because our expert is not in the chat right now to verify, but I think that's the path that he took. Um, because uh, 
It's not in the chat right now? No, she left. But um, yeah, and Helico, he was, um, I'm pretty sure he was living in Italy for a while. Because I, I remember when he came in to AAA originally, people were like, yeah, he wrestled a lot in Italy, but he was trained by the great Negro Navarro, which you want to get trained. That's a motherfucker that can train you. Let me tell you. Okay, so do you see either of them in WWE? I don't see Jack there. Um, I don't think Jack can clear certain tests that you have to clear on a regular basis there. Mr. Krabs has a Jack question. He wants to know, um, do you think uh, if Jack Evans will leave AAA? (laughs) No, that's not an actual question. No, it's an actual question. <laughs> it's an actual question. Um, I'm just asking for the people. Mr. Krabs is a representative of all the people in the chat room. Okay, so let me let me date. First of all, let me date stamp this episode. It is April 13th, 2018. Yeah. For anybody who's listening to this in the future, so that you don't think that it was even remotely possible <laughs> that Jack Evans didn't get fired from there seven months ago. <laughs> No one's going to listen to this in the future, by the way, because there won't it's be a future a pretty soon. Bit. We don't We don't need to get into that. We don't have to be a best kill. What, what, you're talking about the fact that we're dropping bombs on Syria right now? Yeah. yeah so I'm just trying to think of monster conventions and stay positive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I just so took my shoes off. I could see, my, I, I could see oh. Angelico working in WWE. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that I could see Jack there. Don't know if I would want to see Jack there. No, dude, because like a lot of people, like you can't tell unless you see him in person. And Helico's a fucking big dude. Like me and him are pretty much the same height. Like he's a tall guy. You know, Vince gets a boner for that shit. Yeah. All right. Well, like six three. I think he's too injury prone though. Like with as much as he's been gone from Lucha Underground and guys, we could have kayfabe that a little for the guy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> not much to kayfabe uh, I know I know. I, it sucks because I, I was the fuck man that second injury he got oh that was not good I don't I don't remember who was there with me that week but that fucking sucked which one was that the, that elbow? the, the, the worldwide underground one oh, I was yeah, there with you yeah. popped his elbow out of the socket that I was can't fun. remember if I was there for that one I was there for that I think you were Jim and you were sitting on the other side from us yeah. I can't remember if I was sitting there or it might have been like up in the standing area. I'd say that was grosser than Phoenix breaking his nose and shooting oh. rockets all over the place. But that was pretty bad. The Angelico one was weird, too, because he had done like four other spots in that match where you thought he would have gotten jacked up worse. Yeah, and it was just like a back elbow or clothesline or some shit, wasn't it? That was like just random, random in the, the elbow. elbow. Yeah. It was a springboard. Um, some springboard move, and he landed on his um, yeah, like clothesline or whatever, or elbow. Yeah, and he landed on it all fucked up. And then he had to take uh, like a shooting star, so he had to take a another spot before he got to roll out of the ring. Yeah, but it wasn't even that dangerous. I mean, it was less dangerous than a Kenny Omega super kick to Cody's face. I haven't seen uh, don't is it don't Katu? I haven't seen that yet. Don't Taku, don't Taku, don't talk. I don't know, you know, watch it tomorrow. Byron's dyslexic when it comes to only the Japanese language. All right. Well, that's that. Look, that's all the new stuff. I want to talk a little bit about some of these shows. I want to talk a little bit about Impact versus Lucha. Um, oh, hey, can I just can I just no? Yeah. So you guys can talk about the shows I didn't watch. Uh, 
Well, then we got to talk about UFC if you want to talk, if you want to dip, because I got to talk to you about UFC for a second. Oh, oh, Justin, I'm going to throw a, uh, what do we call it in in uh, your area, Mif, a trolley? I'm going to throw a trolley at you. What is that supposed to mean? Well, your area. What did he throw? A dolly? You know, a dolly? We call them dollies. They're dollies. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? What does it look like? Uh, it's got like wheels. A hand truck, you know, a hand truck. Hand truck. What do you guys oh, call? Like it? that's a pump truck, like a fucking yeah. You know, you like tilt. You know, like they put Hannibal yeah, Lecter you, on. Yeah, I think he oh, thinks we're thinking of yeah, like that, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that that is a dolly, yeah. Yeah. Dolly. Yeah. Huh. Learn something new every day. But I just want to say that Conor McGregor is using nwo tactics because he's the leader of the notorious world order by the shirt and uh that's all he was doing he's just he just saw that the network had some episodes of thunder on there and he's a big fan of fucking ciclope so he got his subscription going and he's like oh man you know i'm trying to watch the ciclope match and they just keep talking about what the nwo is doing so i better pay attention instead of watching ciclope the fucking awesome Halloween. And so he started watching the NWO stuff and he's like, Oh, I got an idea. And then, uh, yeah, maybe a little cocaine. I don't, you know, just a little. Yeah. No, it's just a little bit. I'm going to go on the record and say that I believe that Conor McGregor is doing all the blow. I think he got a check from Burger King and he handed that directly to his Irish blow dealer. And now he's doing all of it. You I think, think he was, is the new Scarface. He calls he, him his potato. He was keyed up as fuck. And he was like, who said what? And just fucking got on a plane in the span of like being all like high on cocaine. And before like his whole like cocaine trip ended, he had. No, no. I'm pretty sure the airplane has cocaine on it, Byron. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, While you fly from Ireland to America, you just make sure that you do all of it before you land in American customs. Yeah, but it's not like you got on a plane. He's like, I'm going to do some boss ass shit. I need to get, you know, I need to do a bunch of, of the cocaine, you know, before. But Byron, what you're forgetting is it's not a plane, it's his plane. I know, but what I think happened was he was at home, you know, minding his own business and then he's like i'm gonna do a lot of cocaine that'll be fun and then he's he's doing a ton of cocaine and then someone goes hey you know what they said about you and he goes what and yeah over over in brooklyn he's like get my plane we're gonna do something you know how like sometimes you're with your no i think honestly okay people are like is this a shoot or work or whatever i think that conor mcgregor and maybe even with the knowledge of the ufc <laughs> it's irrelevant i think that he said yeah, these dudes were fronting on my boy Artem. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna go over there and and I'm gonna I'm gonna raise some shit. Like if I ever do fight this guy, it can't hurt to drum up a little business. I also don't want to leave my boy hanging because I think that he was kind of on the fence about whether he was gonna show up or not. I think the UFC had a pref press conference coming up. So I think that Connor was also thinking, okay, I can go over there and I can talk to Dana and maybe we can work something out where I can actually announce something this week, you know. And I think he also, I think that Connor also, believe it or not, legitimately wanted to talk to Dana White about the Floyd Mayweather situation. And if they could possibly figure out a way to get Floyd into a cage, whether it be modified rules or what, because honestly, 
As crazy as it sounds, I think that's going to happen. I just don't know if Connor's going to be the opponent. I Connor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather in the Lions Den match. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be like you know a weird pan craze rules match if they if it happens. It's not going to be full sanctioned unified MMA rules. I guarantee that. Beside the point, we we'll, we have months and months to cover that. You know, um, none of them can touch the king of pan craze, Minoru Suzuki, so they can just both eat shit. Truth, truth. Um, though there's a couple of Boz fights with some open hand palm strike Ooh, right up under the Adam's fucking, apple. Oh. You know what, dude? I was watching those fights. I've always been a Boss fight a fan, and talk to Kevin Cross about Boss Rutten. Yeah, tell you th- that man fucking knows. Cross and I were going back and forth on some video he posted of uh, Boss taking somebody out with just straight knees to the dome, which is amazing. But I still like the ones where he just like his open hand palm strikes. It's supposed to be less painful, but when you're like full shoot the hand like up into somebody's Adam's apple, that's pretty much just as deadly. That might be worse than a punch. Because you're not trying to block it like a punch. You're like standing in this open strike and you just catch all of it. It's just vicious. And anyway. when you get a kick in the lever first, you're gonna- I like it when he gets mad at his opponent. So instead of having a regular fight, he just kicks the guy in the liver until he gives up. That's yeah. the lever. The lever. He has a how to break a lever t-shirt that I really like. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the Connor thing. I think that it is a certain amount of work, work to shoot, um, right up to the point when he gets there. Yeah. Because here's what happens. Conor McGregor, as he is known to do now, was fucking late. He was supposed to walk into the press conference room where everybody's sitting there at tables and chairs, and he's supposed to cause a commotion like some of the shit with him and Nate and blah, blah, blah. No water bottle. He was supposed to come in, posing hard, throw some water bottles, raise a ruckus, get in some trouble, get some great footage. But the dumb fuck is late. <laughs> so what is he left with? He's left with a blackout bus where he can't see who the fuck's on it. And people just saying Khabib's in there. Khabib's in there. That's all they were telling him. Connor didn't know that all the red corner fighters were in there. All he heard from his boys was Khabib's in there. So this dummy starts uh-huh. throwing things at the bus to try to get his attention to get his moment to confront Khabib because he's flown all the way the fuck over. It's not like he was just going to let it drop. <laughs> he was going to do something. I don't think that he was trying to hurt anyone, but at the same time, this is why you don't throw 40 pound metal objects at glass people. And if you see the footage from inside the bus, if it hadn't hit that cross beam, somebody could have died on that shit. That was at the, that was the point where it was no longer a work. I don't Mm -hmm. think he meant to do that that way, Uh but people really got hurt and he's a dipshit and a dickhead for taking it that far. Yeah. There was other ways he could have done it. They could have all stood in front of the bus. They could have pounded on the hood. They could have hurled obscenities all day long, flattened tires, war, spray paint the bus, chase him down, go to his hotel, come back to a press conference the next day. Any number of things besides hurling a giant metal object at people. Yeah, and in the words of Hulk Hogan, and don't worry, guys, I don't mean those words. Oh, oh, he's from Tampa. You can't these, hold, you can't these marks work themselves into a shoot, brother. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. But I mean, does anybody remember two weeks ago when the fight was still Tony El Kukui Ferguson <laughs> versus Khabib Nurmagomedov? No, nah. that was that was like four opponents ago. And then and then Tony had to drop out because he tripped over a cable at a at a studio. 
like Fox News took Tony Ferguson out of the fight, which is a shame. And then Max Holloway, the featherweight champ, steps up, says he's going to take the fight. But the guy from the championship of a lighter weight class can't make the higher weight class on that short of notice, which tells you how ridiculous his weight cut is. That yeah. motherfucker was 187 when he when he accepted the fight. He was over 30 pounds overweight in, in what, four or five days notice? And then he didn't make it. You know, he wasn't going to make it. So then you get to the actual day of the weigh-ins and now you got to fucking replace your main fighter and you've got Anthony Pettis, Ally Quinta, and uh, who the fuck was Ally Quinta supposed to be fighting? Anyway, doesn't matter. That guy, the guy Ally Quinta was supposed to be fighting is unranked, not in the top 15, so they won't give him the fight, even though he's the only one that made the actual championship weight. Ally mm-hmm. Quinta is 0.2 pounds over, so he can't fight for the championship, and Pettis is just kind of washed up, and nobody really wants to see him fight anyway. At point two pounds, can't you just like fucking take a shit? I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter though. Y- yes, and they actually weighed the underwear, and they said that the underwear that he was in would have gotten him to championship weight, but it didn't matter because he is already on record officially weighed in. There's oh, no re-weigh-in right. in New York because he had the other fight. Yes, so okay. he was already weighed in. Had he known that, he could have run around the, the block three times. So Al wasn't up for the belt. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Because guess what? At the end of the day, Khabib Nurmagomedov is a boring fucking fighter. <laughs> I give it up to him. He's a, he's a vicious animal. He's undefeated. He's going to be super hard to beat. He is one of the lightweight champions now. And God forbid any one of these fuckers says the word undisputed. If any one of them says, I'm the undisputed lightweight champ, I don't care if it's Khabib. No, Khabib, you're not the undisputed champ. You're the last guy who won a belt to be the champion, but Conor McGregor is a lightweight champion right now, in my opinion. Tony Ferguson is the interim lightweight champion right now, and Khabib Nurmagomedov is the alternate extra lightweight champion of the UFC. There's three fucking champions. They what a fucking there someone's gonna start coming down like Ultimo Dragon with the fucking Super J crown when they finally unify all these titles. Somebody two two of these guys have to fight each other. I don't care which two. Any two fight each other, and then that guy I will call the champion, and then the third belt we can get rid of. Until then, in my opinion, all three of them are fucking champions. All three of them. Because all three of them are the best on any given day because they haven't faced the other three guys that are good. You know, I think Connor's not going to count because they're going to strip him of his title. He's already stripped. So is Tony. Yeah. They're saying, they're saying it's Khabib, but it's bullshit. In my eyes, until Khabib faces one of those two guys, he is not the official champ. Man, I just, uh, I just, Justin, I know you have to know this. The the guy that does the fucking MMA animations that are so hilarious with the person's face. Tommy Toehold? Fucking amazing. Yeah, Tommy Toehold is great. Watch all of his shit with this whole McGregor situation. Um, he does all those voices too, by the way. He's amazing. Some of the greatest shit I've ever seen. It's his Dana White is Dana White impression is, is my favorite. All right. So Casey Rose, Nama Yunus, JJ match. Any thoughts on that one? That's the only other fight I want to talk about. <sighs> I hated the Khabib fight. I, I, I just hated it by the way. I can't stand watching that guy fight. I can't stand I, it. I know you hate all Khabib fights, but uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm just fucking mad. I'm just mad, Justin. I'm just mad. You're mad that JJ lost again? Again, yes. 
I'm, I, you know me, I'm a Rose fan. I had my money on Rose. I thought she would actually show up better than that, but um, she won. She's the champ. She's done it twice in a row now. Well, we, we had a good run of JJ the Maniac Killer. We had I think she'll be good again, or maybe she can go up to 25. Maybe she can hey. get damage up there. When does Brock come in and fight? Um, Brock could come in and fight at any point in time, but he is, in Smack. fact, a contracted WWE employee still. Also, since Brock retired, right it froze his suspension, so he has to he has to put himself back in the drug testing pool. He uh, did, and sit out his suspension, and then not test positive for the gas, and then he can fight. He so, did. He is actually back in the pool, from what I understand. I thought so he. How much, how much longer does he have suspension wise? It's like uh, the suspension is is just retroactive or is is counted from that same time. He doesn't have to be in the pool for the whole suspension time. Oh, that's what Meltzer was saying. Fuck no, me. he has to be in the testing pool for four months, period, before he can Meltzer. be an active fighter again. But your suspension, just like with Barnett um, or whatever, all those guys, your suspension starts when your suspension starts. Hmm. And it usually starts retroactive to the date of the fight. So even if you get sentenced four months later, if you get a three-month suspension and they don't sentence you till four months later, you're an active fighter <laughs> at the time of sentencing. Uh, but then it's on record that you were suspended for those three months. Yeah. Um, awesome. I'm finding all kinds of workarounds for when we all get on the gas and start entering the octagon. I want to make sure when we get on the gas, it's, it's good stuff. I don't want, like... How do you know on the gas now? Like yeah, don't buy the shit Sabu used that one time. Pull. I don't want the WCW gas that you were, that uh, you pointed out. Like no, me, I saw old pictures of Byron just recently, some old videos from when I first met him. He is definitely not on the gas now. He was way more jacked back then. He looks like shit now. I meant not on that night shot side. I meant night shot side. Wait, what? I was jacked up back then? But yeah. No, you jacked up. Quite a lot. I don't know, man. Whenever J Man sees us, he says, You guys are looking fucking jacked. Yeah. Yeah, he always says that. I'm pretty sure he's referring to me. Mm. Or Jim. Mm. I mean, two two of us on this podcast do go to the gym occasionally. I just played hockey and I work out too. My thing is I could That's like the figure skating thing, except you have the the walker to hold you up. Justin Hockey is probably hockey. tougher than anything you do in your life. How are the ducks doing, Byron? Ooh, deep burn. Mr. Krabs wanted to know how the ducks were doing. Mr. Krabs is being chased by his mom with a coat hanger every day of his life. That's not good because when you run down in the basement, there's no place left to run. So he, so he's like, what, the 50th trimester right now? Yeah, but she won't give up. She, she still wants to get rid of it. <laughs> oh Meef's Meef's cruel jabs are, are popping the chat room. I'm just I agree with Omar, by the way. Never fight outside the ring, especially when you're a billionaire and you can get paid another gabillion dollars to fight the, inside the, the ring. Who the fuck is Omar? Kayfabe, Jesus Christ. How about this? How about this? Um speaking of uh, who knows, uh Del Rio said that his Kids were sick, so that's why he no showed the show. That's what I'm. That's the next story. That's a great segue. Bro. Oh, oh, You've done something right. Oh, maybe I can bring him in, Poppy. 
Did you get your puppy? No, we're not. We haven't gotten to Commissioner Page yet. That's another story. Everyone's like, why'd you fuck everyone off again? He's like, oh, well, it's because my kids were sick and my kids are more important to me. So you can't be mad at me now. And everyone's like, you're a piece of shit. No, but didn't he still show up somewhere or was doing something? And they were like, oh, fuck you, you bastard. He was doing promo stuff um, all like all day. And I think he was getting lit. And then I think. He was like all keyed up, running around being an asshole, and it was like, "Wait, you you can't come to work for this?" <laughs> yeah, he probably and had another press sent him conference. Home, I, think. I think they Jeff Hardy'd him. They sent him home, and then he, or maybe I heard that. But also, um, I think he was seen out partying that night too. Now, do you think this helped accelerate the 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 Penta Phoenix stuff even more? Or do you think because it sounds like everything really just fell into place this week? I think so because they weren't booked for that match, no. right? And then they had to, they had to do a last minute fix, and I think that mm-hmm. that's part of the the fix. It was like they had agreed to let Phoenix and Penta do this Lucha Underground versus Impact thing, which was wholly run by Impact, by the way. Mm-hmm. For anyone who thinks otherwise, Chavo seems like he was the one uh, Lucha Underground representative there as an agent and producer of Lucha Underground, but it was yeah. not written by Krista Joseph. EV dub wasn't there. Roach wasn't there. Uh, vamp wasn't there. Striker striker was there, but I, I mean, I guess striker and, and Chavo were your agents on the Lucha side. <laughs> and striker was spoon feeding Josh Matthews to make him not totally fucking suck. Oh. And oh. You know. that was a bad combination. Oh. I, yeah, I missed it. Oh, I can deal with one. one. Uh, I can't remember what you said. I can deal with one of the two of them, but right. First Matthew. of all, to me, Matthews is kind of cloning Striker a little bit in the first place. Right. Like I which, feel like he bases his shit off of Matt Striker shit, and that's why it bothers me so much. But the thing I like about Striker's commentary is if he misses a move or there's something going on, but he's in the middle of a story and he knows it's not going to be the three count or the fucking, you know, go home spot. He'll just keep the story going. I can't stand people trying to do what I really feel like Shivani was the best one at kind of doing it, which was bringing it back to the, the ring after some anecdote, but just let it go like that. That's so old school wrestling to all of a sudden cut somebody off from something that's really interesting to tell me about a, a, a near fall that is two minutes into the match that we fucking know isn't the finish. It could be like uh, Lucha announcers in Spanish. They don't they barely even fucking talk about the match. They're just telling the stories the whole time. And then they'll just say, oh, that's a hold right there. They'll call everything a fucking Yave. And then, yeah, it's all good. I mean, I, I just I tend to like that a little more in this day and age. I don't I don't need to feel like you're you're talking to a four year old that's never seen wrestling before that has to just believe it's a real sport. I tend like, to I enjoy, think we're really past that now. That just, yeah, yeah, I tend to enjoy a couple guys sitting around bullshitting about wrestling like we do here. You know, like uh, you still tell people what's happening. Yeah, and- just talk me through it. Talk me through yeah. it. You don't have to call it like it's no. Well, Borash was there, I think, but he was he wasn't AAA one. Was it Borash and Striker that did it together? That was really good. They did one, and it was yeah, they did do yeah. 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 Well, those two are great. (laughs) I I I like that's actually a really good combination. I'd love to see I'd love to see Borash and Striker, and honestly. 
I was thinking about this the other day. The fact that we're even doing a wrestling podcast right now, I have to say is because of Borash. I think if I hadn't listened to WCW Live back in the day. Remember that? I yeah, don't Bob know. I, I loved Bob Ryder, Jeremy Borash doing that show. Um, I used to read, what was it, OneWrestling.com all the time? Wasn't that the site Ryder was on? I got some fun Bob Ryder stories I'll never tell on this podcast. (laughs) Sweet. Save it for the DM, baby. I want to hear them all. Um, But yeah, I mean, as much as a lot of people always thought that Borash was a tool, Borash paid his dues. He worked his way up, and he is kind of the father of the modern wrestling podcast. (laughs) Yeah, dude, the dude fucking worked his way up from nothing and really, like, scrapped. And he stuck with the shittiest wrestling company in the entire world, in the history of the world. Yep. And, and now, now he's in WWE. You know? It's amazing. He's just, in WWE, oh, and they need him. I don't know if I'd go that far. Mm, I, think I think they need him. I think he's a better producer than fucking Kevin Dunn. Well, I don't think that if they do need him, I don't think that they know that because they buried that fucking last deletion thing that they just did. I mean, the gimmick seems to still have legs and keep going, but they buried it. I mean, it wasn't even on the Hulu version of the broadcast. Yeah, well, I'm not saying they need him on their big shows. He's not going to be doing Raw or SmackDown, but he can do great things at NXT, and he can also do a lot of supplemental stuff on the big shows. I think he's a tremendous asset that... You know, if they he, let him, if they let him, the reason yeah. why he was Wait, doing great stuff shows. at TNA is because he was going out with a camera himself. You know, the quest for gold thing was amazing, but that was Borash flying himself out to fucking Mexico to shoot shit at the crash. I mean, we're flying all over with the Hardys to, to shoot stuff and and coming up with great gimmicks. You know that that's impressive, but whatever. It's neither here nor there. So. We actually had a Lucha Underground show this week. Or we did. did we? Mm. <laughs> nah, dude, if there's not fucking people getting killed and like fucking arm breaks, it's not and a Lucha this, this is my whole thing with kind of, yeah, all these guys can go work wherever they want now. But dear Lord, it is just not the same. Mm. Like, Famous B coming out was like... I, it was not like it would have been at the temple. I mean, I don't know that he worked the moment exactly the right way, but I mean, that it, heat was it, not it was right. Like the impact fans. What's that? And like a lot of the guys who were watching that guys, um, fans, um, because if you think I'm just gonna get my plug in now, but Querno got the biggest pop because huh. they know him as Fantasma. When you think about like the crowd, they not a lot of these impact guys. If you look on Twitter, you just need to look on Twitter and you know that the impact guys don't really know much about anything outside of that world. Yeah, no, if he knew where if he knew about wrestling, he wouldn't be working for fucking impact. That's it, you know. Well, I think that Jeremiah Crane got a pretty big pop as well. <laughs> Yeah, but that was for yeah. obvious reasons. I mean, that match clearly had the most heat going in. Yeah, yeah it's like no clue why they did it that way, though. It made no sense to do Jeremiah Crane in that match, and then they reference the Sammy Callahan stuff yeah. from Impact the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were all completely made no yeah. sense. 
there's a ring announcer who was a fucking idiot who's i forgot who it was but obviously someone not familiar with the product who was all uh dario cueto's son matanza i mean who they where'd they find that person that's dumb god damn it <laughs> this is Are why i'm not gonna go back and watch it yeah uh, you haven't seen it jim I I was on Bourbon oh, Street when all that shit was going yeah, down. Yeah, I watched maybe five minutes, Jim. Oh. And between all the shit that was wrong with it, it made me so angry that I stopped. And I think it would do the same thing to you. Now, yeah, see, I don't know do if that. I'll go that far. I thought yeah. it was kind of fun to see stuff. The this the opening six way was interesting, where you had um, Chavo Matanza, bald Jack Evans, which was interesting. Um, you had Caleb Conley, who I don't really know. Um, uh, Matt Seidel, which was great, and Moose. 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 That was a good match. It was super fun. It was totally the right way to start. Um, Jack Evans, who we talked about earlier, who's leaving Lucha Underground, proved why he was such an asset to Lucha Underground because you can throw him in a garbage match like this, and all of a sudden, your eyes are just drawn to this little fucker. I mean, yeah. he's, do- he's getting the most well. heat. He's shit-talking. He's doing the best moves. He's working safe. He's looking you know, like with guys he's never worked with before. He's working totally yeah. safe. Great spot. Looking like Krillin from Dragon Ball Z and shit with his <laughs> shaved head. Yeah, it totally did. Yeah, of a clinic. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I heard Jack calling a couple spots for Matanza. <laughs> we're just reminding him of where spots were going from the side. I'm pretty sure. Jack was kind of leading through a whole lot of that. And Chavo was in there too. And, and Chavo was kind of, I think, pushing it along. But well, that's the other thing that's great. Paul Cross said Stryker referred to Matanza's mask as a welding mask. It's a goddamn muzzle. It's a muzzle. <laughs> so he doesn't fucking bite your face. But it is a a, a pipe fitter's uh, welding suit that he wears, but it's not an actual weld jacket, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, they gave him a clean suit without all the dookie stains on it, and it looked dumb, man. I think that came out of a certain athletic guy's own closet. (laughs) I think maybe he's got his own version of the gimmick that he travels around with, because you know how Lucha Underground prop department is. They probably won't let him have the real one. They're like, no, we need for Lucha versus... And honestly... Some of those masks did look like the personal ones. Even that Matanza mask. I don't think that that was the actual Lucha Underground prop. Uh, I think that was I was wondering if it was that or the lighting because it was a it weird. It looked lighter and more plasticky yeah. than the Lucha yeah. Underground one. But anyway, guys, I'm out. Peace, mother beep. All right. Hey, if anyone's at Monster Palooza tomorrow, say hello. Good night, everyone. No. I... Peace out, dude. Um. What other mats were there? Oh, so, and that was where Chavo took the mic. And with all this other stuff going on, we haven't even talked about the fact that Chavo takes the mic and it drops June 13th as the official start date of Lucha Underground Season 4, which is a full month earlier than I thought it was going to be. Um, And I don't know how that's going to time out with certain other things, but that's the date, June 13th. We have an actual date now. Yay, Lucha Underground. Watch it. Byron, are you really that excited about it? I, I can't wait. It's the one thing I look forward to in life. Um, you can tell. Okay, so, and in talking about doing the Sammy Callahan thing the way they did it, they had Taya Valkyrie versus yeah. Ali Impact or whatever as mm-hmm. both Impact fighters and not Taya as her Lucha Underground character. What? what? I, oh, I, I, I don't understand this at all. 
So, like, for the entire commentary, they kept on, like, doing this whole weird thing where they would... Apart the, again, it's, I'm always I'm going to end up being looking biased, but everybody else at Tyre, they were saying, oh, it's Tyre Valkyrie, not the Tyre you see in Lucha Underground. All the other, one, other ones really got kind of... Apart from Jeff Cobb, oh, is Matanza. Um, but everybody else kind of got put over for gimmicks. And they kept on mentioning the fact that they were this person that... If you watch Impact, they talk about Fantasma on Lucha Underground. Yeah, and why wouldn't show, they? Because he's dope on there. On the, that show, they just couldn't mention the fact that King Cuerno was Fantasma. And they kept on going, he's got a famous dad in wrestling. And <laughs> he, you've seen him somewhere else before. And it's like, because everybody everybody else you've mentioned, you know, the, even Jeremiah, like... Tyre, okay, her name's not that much different. So you can say, yeah, it's two different characters. She you know, comes out in different like moods. But like Jeremiah Crane and Sammy Callahan, two different complete names. But here's here's also here's also the issue is that you've got the whole impact house there. You've got their whole real back of house there. And they have current storylines going with these characters and people. You got Stryker there by himself with Chavo. And yeah, they're agents and they know how their talent works a match and whatnot, but they have no cue in on storyline. They have no producers in the back for them. So what is Stryker supposed to talk about? And he's probably even confused with stuff from season four that he can't even talk about yet compared to where they're at in the storyline wise, which would be before season four, after season three to even talk about these characters. So he just ends up saying generic backstory stuff. This is kind of the problem with doing this particular crossover that these are not two brands that have active storylines going right now. You have one brand who's been off for ages that just has characters and another brand that's got active storylines going on with some of the same performers. So fucking weird. Just the strangest combination of things ever. Cause what you really want, if you want Lucha underground versus impact, what you want to do is you want to have Krista Joseph sit down with, you know, whoever's writing over at impact right now, or a couple of the guys from the booking committee over there. And you want to say, how can we take this storyline and have it face off with this part of your storyline and build some heat for a day and have a fun match with these two performers. That's the part that was missing for me where you got the the cool things about the shows are not just the workers. I can see these workers go fight each other on the indies. What I want to see is the Lucha Underground brand and what makes these workers cool for Lucha Underground versus the TNA or sorry, Impact brand. Let me not be Kurt Angle. The Impact brand and what they're doing that's cool with these characters. Let me see those things come together. Instead, I get Jeremiah Crane who's supposed to be Ivelisse's crazy boyfriend working a baseball bat angle with a guy that he's feuded with as a different character. What the fuck is that? That makes no sense at all. Sorry. This makes no sense. Um, so the interesting matches, uh, obviously Taya did not beat Allie, um, even though she could have, because that's totally a storyline or impact storyline. Um, OBE. The more you talk about this, the more I'm just convinced I'm not going to go back and watch it. No, you should watch it. But when I watched it, 
It wasn't bad. It's not bad. It's just confounding is what it is. I really love all the talent that's on the show. I mean, like you had you had uh, OVE versus Teddy Hart. Big Papa Pump was on there. Also, not a Lucha Underground match, but amazing. Teddy Hart and Big Papa Pump is like so random. How? But how much psycho can you put in one ring? It's just yeah. like those two are batshit crazy. Um, and the OVE guys aren't very far behind. I mean, they're Sammy Callahan's boy. Thing. When you have the Chris brothers like looking as like the most sane guys in the match, that's saying something. It was really cool that they got uh, Scott Steiner. I think he's back in Impact, which is weird because yeah. he's doing them for the longest time. I just saw a promo with uh, the genetic freak and Eli Drake, which is probably makes me happier than anything in the whole universe. I'm I'm a huge Eli Drake fan. I don't care if he's an actual dickhead in real life. I don't care if Big Papa Pumps. It wasn't to me. I think that those guys uh, are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Met Eli on Saturday. You met Eli on Saturday. I met Eli on Saturday night. He was super cool. Like he didn't totally, go heal on you. <laughs> didn't go heal at all. Like he was just there to chill, and he was totally fine. Like just talking to people. I've been a fan since Byron and I saw him at FSW because I mean everyone came in cold. There's this is a show with no storylines. That dude hit the ramp, and within 30 seconds, everybody in that place hated him. Legit, like he got over with the best heat, and he just worked it, and it was so fucking old school and perfect. But man, if you still like that dude three minutes into that promo, there's something wrong with you as a human being. And it was expertly done. It was pure genius. Like, I, I, I complete suspension of disbelief. I was like, this dude's a fucking prick. I fucking hate this guy before I realized that I had just been worked. Like, he was that good. Yeah, so, he's a really good heel. And I, I first saw him in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. So that was my first experience with Sean Ricker. And yeah. He's just I a mean, natural heel. And people have all sorts of stories about him. And there's reasons why he's not at Lucha and this, that, and the other thing. But... I don't give a fuck. I like watching the dude work. I like watching him cut a promo. If anybody wants to know how to use the stick these days, I say there's two guys to watch, Eli Drake and Kevin Cross. Yeah. If you want to know what to do with your persona, how to live kayfabe, how to get yourself over, and how to work a fucking microphone, watch those two guys. And Cross can do it babyface or heel, which is equally amazing, that he can take that same persona, work it babyface or heel at the drop of a hat. And totally get over with it either way. I'd like to um, meet him at NXT tryouts. Because <laughs> he, he was there when people were cutting promos, and I'd love to see what he did and sh- pretty much their reaction to him cutting a promo. Would I'd love to see? I that. don't know if he put himself into that whole thing 100%. I think he was more on a fact finding mission. And we can ask him, you know, I'll probably see him tomorrow. I'll ask him because I never have really talked to him about that whole thing other than like, hey, are you going? And him saying, I think I got some other stuff to do first, which is kind of where Cross is at right now. And we're going to get to Cross too because I want to talk about House of Hardcore. But um, what else yeah. happened uh, in oh, Desmond Hardcore? But it's it's pretty it's even more impressive than you found out some news after the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. So the rest of this Lucha Underground Impact thing: um, Desmond, Desmond Xavier, Everett, and DJZ versus Drago, Cuerno, and Aerostar. Um, I know Meatloaf is probably dying to talk about the titty twister that Quano got. Uh-huh. What happened? I don't even know if I really uh, saw that spot. 
but his nipples were bleeding or something? He got, he got, I think it was chops. They were doing chops. And I think, I don't know if it was a top. He did. He said his nipple was fine though. So, you know. Did you take a nipple off your uh, Phantasma sex doll to make it anatomically a- accurate? No, I just, I just put a cut in it. My sister once like nearly lost her nipple because my other sister, they were having a fight, and she has a nip. She had a nipple ring. She no longer has a nipple ring. Or a nipple? That sucker got y- yanked. Oh Jesus! Yeah, no, no, it's in half. Yeah. Wait, is that why you're There's you're giant? Your giant chocolate mannequin back there is facing the wall because it's missing a nipple right now? No, it's just I moved it. That's literally. I have to say I find it very sexy that you have a giant naked chocolate man in your room, Meef. It's you. All right, so what else do we have? Uh, Trevor Lee versus Famous B. Um the match actually was good and it got over, but I thought when, when B came out with the microphone, the reaction just wasn't there. And I don't know if he was used to that right now. Um, he didn't come out with a microphone and he wasn't working the crowd. Oh, he was just, he was just yelling at the crowd. He was, he came out and he was going, Oh, come on guys, make some noise. Oh, please. I mean, but this is why this is close. Like I feel he could have benefited from some it. sort of introduction. His client was Marty. He signed a one-day contract with Marty the Moth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just feel like, and and I think that that total that angle worked great. Like, yes, you have famous B there. Yes, you just make up a reason for him to be there. I think the the Impact writers did all of that stuff exactly right. There's n- nothing wrong with the Lucha Underground world where famous B wouldn't sign Marty for one day. That's great. But what you're missing from Lucha Underground is when that happens, Roach or DJ would write that promo for Famous B where he would come out and get all the heat in the world and him and Marty would totally get mad, crazy heat and that match would get over five times more. It was a good match. Uh, uh, Trevor Lee basically versus Marty the Moth was what it ended up being, even though Famous B was announced as the match. It was great to see Marty there, get the pop, um, doing his spots because he's sick and twisted. Uh, my favorite match, I think, was LAX versus Killshot in the Mac for the Impact Tag Team Titles. Jim, that's the reason why you should watch the show right there. I'll just I watch thought, that match then. Yeah. Well, the first the oh, first was match great. was good too, and the the Cuerno Drago whatever match was was great too because it was genuinely lucha libre style, which was pretty oh, the cool. Submission old, uh, yeah. The submission old to win it. Yeah, that was awesome. Like, there's some, like, there's, there's legit some awesome stuff in there. Um, but let me see the, yeah. So it's Diamante and Ortiz with Santana versus basically Killshot and Mac, who uh, we know coming out of the end of third season of Lucha Underground are two, two thirds of the trios championship team. So basically, you know, some champions there going for a championship match. Yeah. Um. Impact obviously kept their belts on LAX, but it was a really, really good match. There were some LAX great the real tag deal. team moves, the kill stop move. Like it, it gives me uh, hope for what we'll see in Lucha Underground season four with with Killshot and Mac because uh, they work very well together as a team. Um, Eli Drake versus Cage, except it was Brian Cage. So was that another TNA versus TNA match or Impact yep. versus Impact? 
If they said Brian Cage, it's impact. Otherwise, so this, it's just this leads me to believe that there was some weird licensing issue with some of these characters. That if they're Lucha Underground created characters and not AAA created characters, they couldn't bring them over. Well, what about if they, it was just close enough? No, because like, they had fucking Cuerno. But what if it's like between Cage and Brian Cage and they're like, well, we don't have to pay money if we use his first name. Then. Maybe. I don't know. The whole thing is just super, super weird. I can't quite figure it out, but obviously there was something going on backstage and it all ended up this way. But then you use Jeremiah Crane when you don't need to? That's weird. That's where it still doesn't make sense. So you, you go with Brian Cage instead of Cage, who, in my opinion, is more over as Cage from Lucha Underground than he is as Brian Cage. Yeah. And then you use Jeremiah Crane instead of Sammy Callahan and Sammy Callahan, I think, is way more over as Sammy Callahan to the fact to the point where half the time when he's being Jeremiah Crane at Lucha Underground, we still fuck up and call him Sammy Callahan. People I'll, have I'll people have almost started chants for Sammy Callahan and then gone, oh wait, that's Jeremiah. You know? They they, they had that whole issue with the poster where they put him out at Sammy Callahan first and everybody gave him shit. Cause they also put Jeff Cobb on the poster rather than his alter ego. But yeah, the whole they, thing's weird. Yeah. Then you get this so shit ironed out. They got so much shit from people going, it's supposed to be Lucha Underground. They 100% need to do this again. In fact, I think they should do it before WrestleCon next year. I think they should do two of these a year. I think it's just good for business for everyone, and they should absolutely do it. But uh, well, this one had some issues. Is get them to tape and do something, the episode of Impact before WrestleCon. So at least the storyline runs into WrestleCon. Have like it, Lucha Underground turn up and just fuck some shit up. Right. At least it gives it some backstory. Yeah, I think I think that's what they should do. But then they got to pay all those guys another appearance fee. Yeah. So that's tough. So maybe you pick one or two select guys. Okay, so then here's where the timeline gets really weird and sketchy because we've done this whole show out of order from the actual timeline in real life. They announce at this Impact versus Lucha Underground show that Penta... Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix will be appearing on the Impact Redemption pay-per-view in two weeks, April 22nd, versus each other. Now, I think this is when Alberto had just no-showed and hadn't been fired yet. Yeah. yeah. But then by the time they get to, I think it was House of Hardcore? Yeah, it's next day. Yeah, yeah by the time it's they get to House of Hardcore... Then you've got Austin Aries cutting a promo on Alberto and basically saying that his match was now going to be a redo of the headliner of this match, which was Pentagon versus Phoenix versus Austin Aries. Now that they're going to do that match again, because Austin Aries lost and Penta went over on Phoenix, they're going to do that again at the Impact pay-per-view with Pentagon Jr., and Phoenix coming to Impact for real for the first time in a title match. They're headlining on a pay-per-view, their first real appearance in Impact. That's fucking huge. Yeah, straight cheddar. I mean, that just tells you that just tells you the whole story right there. Hands sure. down, Impact yeah. is willing to pay for these guys. They'll pay their booking fees. They'll put them in headlining matches. They'll pay Dorian whatever his little bit of cheddar is for the name usage. 
people don't care. These guys are so over that yeah. the money is there and the money solves all the fucking problems that these guys have had for the last two years. Well, they're, Every paying, they're paying that premium, but you also look at it like they let their main event scene, like they they want to kind of have a reset on their roster and they let their Dixie Carter main event scene go. So it might overall be cheaper for them to not pay the Hardys, to not pay AJ Styles or, or the Bullet Club. <clears throat> well, they're um, not even paying Lashley now, so. To not pay Lashley. Or like, EC3. Or EC3, right? Or like all of American top teams. But exactly. hey, why not uh, pay a little extra for per appearance and get Pentagon and Phoenix? And now you have proven main eventers that are fresh and get more buzz. I mean, that's just the simple moral of the story. Pentagon, Phoenix, hands down, are main event guys. They are outside the WWE main event guys at every level except WWE level, period. End of story. They now are the main event in everything. If they go to fucking Japan tomorrow, and that's, I hope, I hope they go to Noah. I hope they show up in Noah. I, I mean, I don't think that you'll see them in New Japan anytime soon or Ring of Honor, but I hope they go do some Noah shit. You know, and, uh, and all ends in an unaffiliated show, right? I mean, yeah, they're already, yeah. they're already all in. Uh, I mean, that just shows you like the level that they're playing at right now, which is amazing. Um, well, what's so, really awesome to your point from earlier is that they left triple a triple a, even though these guys are big main event deals in, uh, Lucha and in on the American independent scene, triple a still kept them as, as mid card acts of no significance. And now triple a has to acknowledge and and profit off of how big of a deal these guys are globally. Yeah, they, they do. I mean, the they should take some credit for it. I mean, it is where they came from. They were licensed to Lucha Underground when they first got over, and they were still under AAA contract when they first got over. And Dorian is absolutely within, well within his right to want to capitalize on what they have done since branching out from there. He's also well within his right to feel stupid about not keeping them in the first place and not treating them better because the moral of the story, <coughs> Carlos Conan, whatever you want to call him. He was right. He was right. The whole time. These two fucking guys were the future of the game. He's been right about a ton of these guys. He was right about Daga. He's right about Pinta. He's right about Phoenix. He's got a good eye for up-and-coming talent. He always has. <coughs> and he knows how to get him over a little bit. And with the help of a guy like Krista Joseph and Skip Chasen, it's fucking no-brainer. Damn right Pentagon got over. So he should take a little bit of credit for it. And they should all work together to capitalize on it. I mean, am I wrong? Everyone works together. They make money. They make money working together. Because now they've released, or Dorian's released them to to turn up at Impact. So when they turn up at Impact, that's going to bring more eyes on Impact. So therefore, Impact can make more money, which means that Dorian, whatever he's doing with Impact, can make more money. And well, and that's the thing. That By releasing them, clients. he's actually able to put a new leash around them too. Like. Hey, if you do North American TV, I can let you do it, but you got to do it with your AAA gimmicks. They got to license my footage. They got to license your brand. 
It's genius, and it works for all of them. Those are the gimmicks they wanted to keep in the first place. With Impact, they've got a company who are set up to sell merchandise. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's at least something that Dorian can probably uh, capitalize for Lucha Underground, using those contacts, using that North American setup. To actually get some maybe proper stuff. To well, and the Pentagon merchandise thing is interesting. And maybe we should even ask uh, the Mass Republic guys because they're pulling some of their shirts, which was kind of the, the clue earlier this week that something was changing. They're pulling some of the independent uh, Pentasiero Miedo merchandise away now. Though, from my understanding, he's still going to be wrestling indies under that name and gimmick. So maybe some of that merchandise will stay out there. Lucha Brothers stuff, I believe, is still a go because they actually own that. Um, but I wonder if we're going to see a lot of that AAA Pentagon Jr. merchandise come back now through AAA. Uh, obviously, the Pentagon Dark stuff through Lucha Underground is going to continue on. But I don't know that I don't know that the the workers get any of that money from those shirts. I don't know quite how those merchandise deals work. Depends how this whole new deal they've worked out together works. Because I'm sure everybody's uh, come together to uh, agree something. Yeah, and Mass Republic seems very happy. And I don't know if that's just because they're happy for the workers or if there's some way that they're going to be able to, you know, because they had the coolest merchandise out there. and They got screwed over from the get-go with all of these things with AAA and Lucha Underground and whatnot. They were the ones working with the talent on great merch had to know how to get the merch over and get it out there. And then Lucha Underground comes along and wants to do it themselves. And many people within the Lucha Underground organization, by the way, were never happy with the merchandise situation either. Uh, the merchandise was, the, the whole situation was dreadful for the first two years, for sure. It was horrifying. Like, how could you be any kind of wrestling company with merchandising that bad? I know indie shows that maybe pull in 80 people a month that were selling more merch than Lucha Underground was that first year. It was horrifying. Doing better merch. That, that Pentagon shirt on the gray when it's just him. Oh, that was fucking dreadful. Well, the second one that I even have is kind of like, eh, it's still mediocre compared to is some of the with, other ones. With a face with the slashes, with, with the Paris yeah. de Mal slashes. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Anyway, um, the other show I want to talk about from WrestleCon weekend, real quick, is the House of Hardcore show. Um, they had their world television, world Twitch television titles tournament. That's a lot of T's. That's a lot of alliteration. Um, the main reason I want to mention it is because uh, Cross was in it. Cross, my boy. So, of course, that's part of why I want to mention it. Though, uh, Swoggle actually had a really uh, kind of yeah. amazing match with Alex Reynolds, which I thought was really good. But uh, Swoggle lost and Alex Reynolds went on to the final. Um, when did Swaggle become a good worker? He doesn't have knees. He always he's always been a good worker. You just never got the chance to show it, except for the last time was the WLC match. Yeah, that was Look, the match of the year. And and he cut a promo. If you go watch the hardcore TV version of that night, where his promos actually cut into it, he cuts a great promo as well, where he's just like, "I promise I'm going to do this, and I'm going to show everybody for all the years that I took this and this shit like." He got he got hyped up, and it was a great promo too. And then the match was really good. Um, 
How about the opening video setting up the TV tournament, TV title tournament? Yeah. The that whole the whole thing was legit. Like it was a great show. Um so but I'm gonna skip ahead to the the uh Willie Mac versus Killer Cross. I think those are the names they were using. <laughs> um the match was really, really good. And it was cool to see Cross working with a guy like Mac, um, who is has a few more years in than him, but is also not an old timer. Like I've seen Cross with Hardy, and I've seen Cross with Shane Douglas and some of these other guys that have been around, and they're great workers and they put on great matches. But it was great to see him with one of his contemporaries that's also a little ahead of him. Because I think that that's really a good gauge for where you are in the game. Like if you face a a Willie Mack or a Shane Strickland or an Eli Drake or some of these other guys that that are really kind of in the new crop but at the top of the game. Um, and Willie Mack is definitely one of those. Whether or not he's gotten as far as he should have is questionable. But hopefully Lucha Underground will help him with that. But um, super, super solid match. Not even halfway into it, it looked like Cross legit broke a rib. Yeah. And uh, at first, I thought he was just working it, but pretty sure it was a shoot because well, it's not I, his I chest, it rib cage is not right. About it, <laughs> but he keeps going. Uh, and, and again, not even halfway through the match, so he's got he's got like what another ten minutes to go. You see him work a rest hold for a second, or he works a hold. I'm sorry for a. <laughs> Uh, a second and then it pretty much just seemed like okay fuck it i'm gonna wrestle this guy and get my title um i don't know if the finish got shifted at all or not but uh it was great because of the rib cross goes for his doomsday Saito slam and as he kind of starts to get willie up willie just kind of turns it goes right into a stunner but it's kevin cross and that doesn't totally work so he hits a second one and uh willie mack goes over on cross and a well, well done match, but Cross was hurting. He looked like he took his lumps. Willie looked like he took his lumps. Yeah. Um. But Cross is a gentleman, so he he decides to shake hands with Willie Mack, and you know, bygones be bygones. They're contemporaries. They know a lot of the same people. Um. And then I think Cross realized that hey, wait, no, wait a minute, this guy's taking food off my table, and uh, uh he kind of turned, put him in a reverse. Uh, arm breaker and uh proceeded to pretty much rip willie max arm out of the socket oh awesome. I, I love that this heat the crazy smile on his face when he was doing it he's insane he's fucking insane oh it was great i i took a picture of it and i posted it to twitter and i was like this is man is a menace to society and then he took the picture reposted it and he goes it was just a misunderstanding <laughs> This is like, he is one of those, he, he is that old fable. He is the bitch I told you I was a rattlesnake. He's yeah. that guy. And and it's it's scary because, you know, I've hung out with him a couple of times and I feel like at any point in time, you, you could step across that line with Kevin and, and things are going to get like that, like real ugly, real fast. And he's not going to care. He's just going to bury you in the desert. It's kind of frightening because I don't. I'm I don't really know where that line is. Well, that's where I thought it w the rib was a, a work because he was working it and he was 
holding it like a visual in the match, but making it visual and they talked about it. And I thought, Oh, that's why that's how he's going to lose. And then, um, and then the post-match stuff happened. He didn't look hurt at all. He's like about to walk through the curtain, looking at Willie Mack laughing at him. I think that's just him manning up because there's some footage backstage later where a camera just kind of goes past him. And I don't even think he knew there's a camera on him and you see him clutching it. And he's like doubled over sitting on a bench. Like how the hell am I going to get back to Vegas? In fact, I think he stayed in new Orleans an extra day just so he could heal up. Um, I wonder if that's he, he definitely had a good time, but uh, no, he definitely hurt himself. He, um, uh, let's see. Oh, wow. FSW uh, reached an agreement on Twitch, so they'll have their own channel, which is cool. You may have talked about that. No, I didn't talk about FSW, but they are another part, key component of it. What are you saying, Mief? What wasn't, well, were we allowed to say what he said? I'm allowed to, because he said he basically broke he had yeah, three, a rib. And three fracture ribs, one full break. Insane. Well, that explains why I didn't yeah. see him out on Friday night. Yeah. Well, but here's the crazy part. This fucker is showing up tomorrow at Mav Pro. He's a champion. He's got to defend. He's got. He's a champion. He's got to defend. He doesn't want to let those guys down. And it's a three-way um, with JT Dunn, Cross could probably handle, and Keith Lee. Guy's a maniac. It's a big boy. Small town in Yorkshire. <laughs> Not the, the guy way, you want to be facing thing. with a broken rib. Holy shit. He needs a better. Here, he needs um, to be. He needs like some better, you know, opponents to, you know, kind of ease up on him a little bit. Yeah. What were you saying, Meef? I didn't hear you. Well, basically, basically, um, Keith Lee, when he wrestles over here, gets quite a lot of. Uh, everyone loves him, but basically, where back in the world that I'm originally from, there's a place called Keeley, or, or Keith. So everybody called town New York, West Yorkshire, basically. This is a tiny village, kind of town. You really, like the the middle of, you really live oh, out no, in the middle of. You really live out in the middle of nowhere, this, right? This is where, because I'm I'm from a big city. Originally. Oh, okay. Originally, so like there's big countryside around it, like you know, but like now I live like fuck yeah, I love. And what do you do out there? You're a methane farmer. What? What? Do you- <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's a joke. Yeah, you yeah. got it. I talk enough bullshit anyway. <laughs> um. I'm also kind of at MavPro. I'm kind of looking forward to Chris Bay versus Austin Theory. If you guys haven't seen Chris Bay, he is he's up and coming. He's he's my pick for my favorite up and coming guy right now. I like Chris Bay. He he can fly, he can wrestle, he's funny, he can work the stick. He's a good kid. I like that dude. Anyway, and and Katarina, not Katrina, Katarina is gonna be at MavPro tomorrow. So I'm thinking I'm gonna go if I can. All right. So Jim, what did you go to while you were there? Did you go to TakeOver? Uh, no, the only shows I went to were WrestleMania and The Raw After. And honestly, that was an, that was probably more than enough. Those are the two biggest shows. And that's also, by the way, like 11 hours of wrestling. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even if I, if I didn't do Raw, it still would have been enough. Because WrestleMania, I forget how I, every year I know how long it is. And even at home watching it for the six hours it is it's long and it's tiring so but when you're there it's just exhausting uh i 
I was just so tired from that day that I didn't, I couldn't even go out afterwards. And I had friends telling me like, Hey man, we're at the Hyatt, come and hang. And I couldn't like my body just wouldn't let me. And unfortunately I missed out on a lot of fun stuff on Sunday night, but well, WrestleMania was great up until those last two matches to me. And then the, the, the flow and the speed just kind of came to a grinding halt. Like it really was just too long. It was a good show, but you know, there, there was just certain elements of it that I don't know that, especially towards the end, like you, you get through all this other great stuff and then you get to Brock and reigns. Really? I mean, honestly, that match wasn't terrible, but I think just with the timing of how long people were there, that mm. multiplied with maybe they weren't happy with some other results earlier in the night. It's just like added up. to. Oh. Like, well, like I, what, about this? I get the whole Nicholas tag team thing as a cooler between two big matches. I get that. But in all reality, that should not be a semi like main event level match at WrestleMania. No, I mean, I, I assume that's supposed to be like a cool off match. But at the same time, there were matches on the pre-show that could have been on the main show better yeah. than that. But on, I showed, so by the time I got into the stadium at the very end, uh, of the men's battle royal or the under the giant memorial battle royal like i was in the halls as i heard matt hardy's music going i'm like wait what just happened and people were telling me so i was there for almost the entire show i think the men's battle royal ended uh about 45 minutes into the first hour of the pre-show so at that point i was there for like all the way up until the end I left as Roman Reigns' music was playing, basically when when he started when he came out to the ring. Did you just leave them? No, no. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, no. I left. Oh, sorry. No, I his in music. <laughs> yeah, I I left when Brock had left, and then I guess they cut, and then they hit Roman's music as he was leaving. I was gone by then. I was just out of it. Well, I mean, and, and rightfully so, and like all these people want to go and party and do other things, and there's still other shows happening and whatnot, but good Lord, that thing was just friggin' long. Yeah, um, I don't know how other people did it, honestly. It was such a long weekend, and like I said, I didn't even go to any of the other shows. I feel bad for the people who wanted to party more, but they couldn't because they went to the Hall of Fame, or they went to TakeOver, or they went to House of Hardcore, or they went to Impact vs. Lucha. There okay. was just so much stuff. <laughs> cocaine hell of a drug lots of cocaine being sold to wrestlers and fans that weekend let me tell you maybe more to fans trying to keep up with all these shows honestly i feel like after new orleans i there's no other city maybe san jose but there's no other city that like works logistically as well as new orleans for a wrestlemania because both uh well the smoothie king center is right next to the Superdome and both of those locations are within 15 to 20 minutes walking distance of Bourbon Street and our Airbnb for our bachelor party was about 10 minutes away. So well, yeah, and they're also it's also pretty close to warehouse district where a lot of the parties and other smaller shows are going on, too. I mean, it's all kind of in this big triangulation thing. You know, I, I lived right over there for a long time and I was able to walk to all those places or Uber, or, you know. I lived yeah. right on the, the street where uh, Koshan is down there, and it was great location. I could walk to the arenas. I could go up to Bourbon. Uh, you know, it was awesome. 
Also, I feel like because of the location, you had a much better chance to actually hang out with wrestlers. And for those of you who follow me on Twitter, probably have seen all the pictures by now, but I ran into a lot of them. Uh, yeah. Both Friday <laughs> yeah, and Saturday night. And those are, those yeah. are just pictures of the ones I was able to talk to and hang out with. That doesn't even count the ones I randomly ran into and maybe just said hello to. Doesn't even count us us seeing Virgil at the craps table. No, when we were at that absolutely that counts the most. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, it's funny because while we were at the craps table, Baron Corbin and his wife walked by, and we're just like, "Hey, Baron," and we just go straight back to watching Virgil throw the dice. It was crazy. That seems like a good call to me. So, was that the highlight? Were there any other highlights? I mean, like, who was the coolest to meet? It, it's tough call because uh, on Friday night after you know all the lucha and impact shows and house of hardcore i spent a lot of time talking to famous b uh marty yeah. the moth uh taya um you know i i'm pretty sure that they recognize me from the temple but also i did bring up this show and you know they know it very well uh well two I, of those three have been on this show yeah and taya I, hates I, me though she'll never come on i don't think and you know we we i give we her too much we, shit at the temple and it was a great time to talk about season four because, you know, aside from you guys here or anyone else who's been to the temple uh, for season four, you can't really talk about it. To, so to be able to talk to the people who are actually a part of season four and not only compliment them, but get into their head about what was going on during those moments, uh, it was pretty great. Um, but yeah, on top of them, uh, I think that night we ran into, uh, everything's blending together, but uh, definitely... Talk to the Mac for a bit, who is sporting a Wakanda jersey, which is super cool. Yes, yes, um, I have seen him wearing that. He was wearing that, I think, when I hung out with him after Mav Pro last week, too. Which yeah, makes sense. Like, that's I a, need to get a, one of those jerseys. Yeah, that's me dope. too. That's a sick jersey. Um, that night, oh God, I'm, I may be blurring. Oh, uh, Rocky Romero, super cool. Uh, ran into Trevor, ran into the King, uh, King Ricochet, and Tessa. She was there, too. Um Saw them, but didn't talk to them. Moose, Seidel, Trevor Lee. Uh, now I'm just combining Friday and Saturday because, like I said, they're playing <laughs> Wait, together. Now, so if you saw Tessa and Trevor, did she have him on a leash or was she letting the boy have some fun? No, they're actually like separate. Oh, they're, all right. Yeah, all right. I mean, they were, they were, we were at the same bar, but like they weren't. I don't But she wasn't like all up on his shit. I love no, it. I um, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I also got to talk to Chelsea. No spoilers, but I think a lot of people already know certain things are happening with her in season four. Man, you, can, you can look, you can look on her Instagram and her social media. Yeah. She's she's kind of yeah. said a lot of it, but yeah, I got to talk to her about that. And I, from what I heard from a lot of people, she wasn't really talking too much. But when I mentioned season four and certain things that happened, she was really excited to talk about it. But then Zach wanted to leave, so then they were gone. Well, um, and 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 boo. here's the thing, which is really weird too, because um, she has done stuff as big in other places, mm. and plenty of people know who she is. But I can tell she genuinely loved some of what she she did there. So yeah. we'll be able to talk about it more in depth later. But um, and I had a brief conversation with her at one point about it, but. I'm curious to compare notes with you to see what she said too. Cause I think it's, I think it's interesting and I'm very happy for her and I am a huge fan now. Yeah. I think she's going to have a lot more of those. And that's why I think she was really cool and chill to talk during that night because 
I don't know if you guys have been seeing on social media, but there was this whole uproar about uh, this event promoter who booked all of the TNA knockouts to show up oh, at this yeah. bar on Bourbon yeah. Street. And he turned out to be like a cheat. He didn't even book anything at all. So the venue actually just ran the event without, you know, charging people. Uh, but yeah, that was the bar that we were at. Like every, that's for some reason, that's where everyone showed up at. Uh, I think there, I also got, got to talk to Andrew Everett and Rosemary. My other friend got to talk to uh, Sienna. Oh, and that's where I ran into Eli Drake, uh, Oni Lorkin, Eddie Edwards. Like everyone was there pretty much. Oh, EC3. Everyone would probably think that he's a dick, but he's one of the coolest guys. I have heard that he's actually really, really cool, and I have not met him yet, but uh, I've been a definitely a fan of his for quite a while now yeah. since he started doing all that shit and evolved. And, and I was able to talk to when he was there, it was after takeover, so I actually got to talk to him about the ladder match and how insane that was. And <laughs> yeah, it was it Bourbon Street was rocking. Um not even just seeing the wrestlers. I would just be walking by and I'd randomly run into someone like uh, Nick Miller from TM61. Uh, Andrade Cien Almas. He was there, but he didn't really say much. <laughs> Not too much. Um, Big surprise. Yeah. Um, it, seriously, it was just random stuff. Like, uh, for example, I wasn't there yet, but on Thursday night, uh, two of the guys, including The Bachelor, uh, were walking through Bourbon Street, and as they're walking by one of the bars, they see someone playing guitar, and they're like, oh, that looks like Elias. And they're like, wait, it is. And Elias ended up doing a random set at the bar. Uh, I don't know if it's been posted on WWE or anything yet, but it was totally random. They were sending me pictures. I'm like, wait, is that Elias? Live the gimmick, baby. That's amazing. I would yeah. go and I, you should have walked with Elias, man. You should have walked on in there. If yeah. I was there, I would have. They did. They actually stayed there for like uh, most of a set. Um, but it was a quick set still. But I'm sure. Uh, I mean, there was just so much stuff going on. And like I said, I don't think this would, this is the kind of thing that could happen in any other city than New Orleans. Oh, Juice Robinson, Chuck Taylor, uh, Chuck E.T. Uh, like I said, everyone was there just hanging out and chilling and because I think because they knew it was New Orleans and you couldn't escape wrestling fans. They were just like, yeah, cool. We'll take pictures. We'll talk. It's all good. But and, I think uh, there's also some safety in numbers too. You know what I'm saying? It's like you, you get out there and there's so many other wrestlers and so many wrestling fans that you only have to deal with shit for so long. And then you can go hide in a pack of other wrestlers if you really need to hide okay. from some obnoxious Mark fan. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think also I, the fans, there's so many wrestlers around that it's kind of like you say hi to one for a few minutes. And then if you don't know them, what are you going to do? You're not going to stand around. It's not like you that actually knows a few of the workers and you can sit down and have a conversation with them. Most fans are going to be like, ah, it's Alexa Bliss. Hi. And then mm -hmm. they're going to walk away. What are they going to do? It's not like I you're going to have a conversation with them. I mean, I feel like there might have been times where st some of that stuff might have happened. But obviously, since it was Bourbon Street, I... I could have been that mark, but I was too drunk to realize it. But at the same time, all I remember is having really good conversations and they were nice enough to take pictures. Well, so, all yeah. right. You mentioned the six man tag or six man ladder match. Um, I loved that match. So by good. the way, I thought that that was perfectly done. I loved having Killian Dane and Lars in there. The two big guys. I thought that that was a better choice than two more high flyers. It really kept the whole thing even. And everybody did spots. Um, Ricochet's moonsault off the the pushed ladder was great. And 
Uh, I thought Trevor was perfectly used. I was super, super impressed uh, by Velveteen Dream. Oh, because yeah. star. That is not a type of match that is designed with his skill set in mind, with his gimmick in mind. Like he has no place being in that match, and yet totally made that match come to him the way like a real superstar does it. He was like, Oh, book me in whatever match you want. I'm gonna make that match work for me. And 100 percent did got in all his spots the right way incorporating the ladders, incorporating the high risk aspects of it, still working completely safe, still working his, he's got like this new version of a Hogan leg drop style. Like he's not doing anything that spectacular, but at the same time, he's, doing, drop. he's in his a, right. But these the are all, these are all probably. moves from when I was six years old watching wrestling, Byron. Off the ladder. And you know, his DDT is like uh, Sister Abigail into a DDT. True, true. Which is which is definitely more new school. But at the same time, he has this way of carrying himself that is like watching one of the old school performers. Yeah. It's like watching a junkyard dog. But he is able to work with these new guys. Come on, he's working with fucking Ricochet in this match. Yeah, which is one great. of the top high flyer flippy shit guys in the world. And then you've got Velveteen Dream coming in with this like flamboyant gimmick yeah and you know what it is it's like the adrian adonis combined with junkyard dog at the same time and he can work with flippy shit guys so what it is is i mean he and to be honest you know without the hype i thought ricochet did great and when you add in the hype and his entrance and everything he was one of the main focal points of the whole show but you take all that away and put him on like even playing field and i think velveteen outshined him in the match Oh, for sure, oh, for but I don't. Sure. But that's the that's yeah. the whole but, point. Ricochet yeah, has I to think- learn has to learn his place. He was not there to get over. He was there to hit a couple high spots. Yeah, he was there to be Jeff Hardy. But what? But what you're saying and what's lacking? What's lacking a lot, especially since uh, Attitude and NWO era, is um, is that whole reality era of of uh, wrestling where people use this real their real names. And you have guys like Finn Balor. You have, um, oh shit, like Adam Cole. You have um, Roddy Adam Cole, baby. Huh? <laughs> Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole, baby. Like, all these guys are great. I like all these guys. Shut up, oh, about Adam Cole. But the thing is, every single one of these guys is a is a creative wrestler, more or less. It's a name, and they're a normal looking person in good shape, and they do cool stuff in the ring. I think but what you're trying not, to say is that Velveteen is a character. It's a character. Full on. Everyone yeah. was a character in wrestling because it was a fucking show. Yeah, and this is the thing. This is where I still worry about Ricochet because he's got to get some of that. Like, yeah, when he does the flippy stuff, Trevor's awesome. Like, I've been thoroughly entertained by the guy for a long time, and I give him way more shit than he probably ever deserves because, uh, you know, I'll probably never be half the man. But at the same time, you see a guy like Dream, and the camera loves him. You're drawn to him for yeah. a certain reason. He's got it factor. And I believe that Ricochet can have it factor, but he's going to have to work at it. He's going to have to create it. Whereas, Dream might just naturally have it. And he's going to have to work at dealing with dudes who do flippy shit on him. <laughs> well, I mean, Dream's had to, he's had to work at it though. Cause if you think back to like when 
Patrick Clark was in NXT and they had him on there. Like he didn't have a character. He had to find it. And I don't, I don't know how he came across Velveteen dream. I don't know if he was like listening oh, to his albums or whatnot. And he was like, Oh, here's an idea. It was but, weird. And it wasn't good at the beginning. I didn't, I purposely didn't watch oh, him for months. Okay. Cause yeah, so it looks like a prince. It was, and but I think he was able to, you know, change it up in his own way, and he was able to make it work. And then with his work ethic and his wrestling, he was able to get the gimmick over. Yeah, it works now. And that that whole match, um, was super awesome. EC three, I think, is exactly where he should be right now too. Like it just felt like. These six guys are in this match exactly where they should be right now in their careers doing exactly the kind of work they should all be doing. All of them. Um, even Killian Dane, even Sullivan. Uh, it was a great spot for EC3. Uh, I just love the whole thing. I just thought it was ex- it was pitch perfect. It was exactly right. Yeah. And so, as I mentioned before, yeah, I think what, what's it was up, great... Can I say one thing? All so far... We've talked about how good everybody everybody was and all the sports they were in. We haven't talked about how shit Adam Cole was because. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, we've we've talked about everybody else being really impressive, being really impressive and doing all this stuff, and the fucking planet. That is Adam Cole and his undisputedly boring era. Okay, but uh, this is but see, I, I I I stick to my guns on the fact that this match, everybody in it including Adam Cole was exactly where they should be. He should be in the opening match on an NXT pay-per-view. <laughs> Ricochet the problem is, the match again. The problem is Adam Cole wasn't just booked in the opening match at fucking NXT. He was booked all upside your face and down your throat. I mean, I, unlike me, I did not have a problem with this cause I am an Adam Cole fan, but I also do think that they're holding him back because he, he was a great heel in Ring of Honor and they're not letting him do any of that stuff in WWE yet. So, Okay, well, that- let me let me skip ahead to Adam's other match. Can somebody explain this shit to me? Because I don't watch NXT all the time. How convoluted and ridiculous was this whole thing, including the, the fucking swerve finish? Well, I, I think it, there's two things. One, Bobby Fish is hurt. Mm-hmm. True. And, and two... Roddy Strong kind of sucks and his boots are little and shitty and he should be a heel. So, yep. I mean, but the it, other thing it, is, it well, makes sense. On, but it, so it, Pete it, Dunn's it, not a heel? Pete Dunn's just so much. He's he's such a good, like, you know, rebellious. Uh, he doesn't face. need to be in a group. Yeah. He, the thing is, with Roddy, anyone who's seen PWG knows how good of a heel Roddy is. So yeah. they they had a perfect opportunity to. Turn I know, him. but when you go heel on a heel, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't even see. I don't even think Pete Dunn is a heel at this point. Pete, no, Pete a, he's because he's playful with it. So like he's like kind of when he do, when he does bad things, he kind of just like oh, well, like you know he's smart. I get it. I get that he's a little bit of a tweener, but I yeah. mean he's still working a heel gimmick for the most part. And for but me, the difference a swerve when it's a heel swerving another heel does not feel like a swerve to me. It feels like a oh you should have known I was going to screw you over. Here's the difference. So he's right. He's the bruiser weight. He's in sort of an anti-hero guy with an edge. 
but he doesn't have a face that he's feuding with. If he was still feuding with, uh, is it Tyler Bate or Tyler Bate? Whatever. Tyler Bate. If he was still feuding with him over something that mattered to Tyler. (laughs) Or to anyone. Then people would be like, well, I don't like this guy. But if he's by himself just doing matches, you're like, oh, he wins and he's tough and he's a badass. And the, oh, he's and, great. He's great. Yeah. I mean, so, like I saw him, I work, him. Uh, KO, uh, Chris Hero at a house and they, they worked kind of like a respectful face versus face technical wrestling match. Okay. So, but then this brings me back to Meef's whole point where I completely begin to agree with Meef. How much of a rub does Adam Cole need to get over? Come on. I think it's legitimizing things. Mm-hmm. And also he has um, legitimizing what a small penis. Like how much do you need the, the title? Look, being a person that does not watch NXT that much. And I could give a shit about Adam Cole one way or the other. If he's exciting and good, I'll give him all the credit in the world. And I'll watch him. If he's not, I won't. This felt like too much. This felt like I, I spent over an hour and a half of this show on this one character who already seemed like he was plenty over enough and probably didn't even deserve that. But I think it puts over the North American belt. I think he can work a good program with someone else for the belt. I think also they could work a good program with um, the tag titles and he is able to get Roddy Strong back on track to be interesting. Do you like the guy enough to justify all this? He's a vanilla budget. I think so. What's, I what's your opinion? He's a vanilla budget. I thought it was a. I thought it was a defining uh, event for him, where he was able. He was given well, the ball. Well, better have been. They spent an hour of, you know, a whole third of the show on him. Yeah, I wouldn't even say a third of the show. He was during the tag match. He was taken out like pretty yeah. early. Yeah, but the whole storyline was him. But I think it's. I think it's great, and I think it allows you know, like a guy like Kyle O'Reilly. Is like he came in and he has he's having great matches and he had a great match with um, Alistair Black, but he still loses and then that's that. But now he's in, now he's with Adam Cole, and he gets to have a personality and he gets to win matches and like he's helped from he's been helped from the rub. Uh, Bobby Fish probably too, although his name broke. I don't know if that was Adam Cole's fault, but now Roddy's going to get realigned and do better because of Adam Cole. And then you have the people who are facing them. And I think Adam Cole is a guy who's a big show main event presence, and he's able to kind of center a lot of action that involves a lot of other people and gives them good things. I get, and brings I get, them what, you're up. Saying, I get what you're saying, but it sounds a little like you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Jim, do you agree with them? Yeah, is it good actually, Kool-Aid? I think it's good Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid is delicious. Fucking Kool-Aid is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> The cool well, thing is, is we the that fact that Meatloaf has a pedo mustache tonight? No, I want to hear what this Jim has to say. I can't grow facial hair. I'm muting all of you. What do you have to say, Jim? I mean, I think I'm biased because I've seen, like I said before, I've seen what Adam Cole has done in Ring of Honor, and I think the Undisputed Era is the new version of the kingdom, where they're going to be a dominant group, and then they end up winning the belts. Like I could totally see Roddy continuing his feud to be done, and then he'll be such a heel. He'd be he'll be the first American UK champion and piss everyone off. And I think that's great for their entire group. But they're just gonna be the group that pisses everyone off, and takes whether you like them or not. 
and they take all the gold and they're they're the ones you want to see them lose the gold but then they don't for a while well when that's good yeah that was a good screen grab adjustment now but yeah. I, I think like you can have a guy like grotty strong when i gotta how do i do this how do i do this i don't know all right i just the how do i make his oh i lost it i was trying to make his picture the main one <laughs> uh, screen grab that anyway um like Roddy Strong as a face, I think can be summed up with him going out week by week, talking about how he's Roddy against the road. He's going to fight for his fiance, fight for his son. And then Bobby Roode coming out and calling his fiance like slightly above average, good looking and everyone laughing at him. Yeah. Roddy's a good face with a good heel like Bobby, but the thing is, no, no, I like. I think that made him look like a putz. Like as I a, mean, face, I don't think he has anything behind him. The At thing is, the way they I work. try to, I try to think of all the times Roddy has been a face, and they're nowhere near as good as when he's a heel, ever. Yeah. Like I think some of his best work also was when he was the leader of the No Remorse Corps in Ring of Honor. Uh, when he was a baby face in like TNA facing Austin Aries, I didn't really care about him. Now that he does a heel again, I'm going to be more invested in Roderick Strong. Uh, yeah. Adam Cole, and, th and that carries over to Adam Cole, which is why I'm going to care more about Adam Cole now. I'm going to care more about Kyle O'Reilly. I'm going to care more about Bobby Fish, even though he's injured. Did I tell you that I saw Bobby Fish wrestle at Tier 1 uh, make a surprise appearance before he debuted for NXT? I did not. I was excited to see him, but then when he was on NXT, I was even more excited that I saw him. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing with with guys like, you know, Meatloaf is not happy. I mean, uh, I, I just I haven't seen Adam. I, I will say this. I will give you because I I had not seen Adam Cole in his independent like run, and I asked people like, is he supposed to be a big deal? Because they were making a big deal about him when he signed, and he's just so far like you. Maybe Jim was hitting the nail on the head with the uh, holding him back. Because he's he's just really because I know nothing of his background, he's bland as hell in the NXT. He just like his promo, he doesn't put too much into it. It for me when he's doing these like you know promos that are supposed to be heel, he he's kind of just like, eh. I mean, I think there's no real. I feel like there, what you there should are do direct, is um, uh, there are direct uh, comparisons from Adam Cole to HBK. I can see that. Yeah. I wouldn't go so far as to say completely and equally, but I see some of it. There's a hint of it. He's like he's like the a modern like independent wrestler version of yeah. HBK. You know, a little okay. bit smaller, a little bit more spotty, but yeah, me, me. I, I highly suggest beef i highly suggest that you go on uh youtube and try to find story time with Adam Cole. Like he's just such a like a dick heel that. I feel like the crowd wouldn't be into him as much if they didn't like him. Like he got cheered when he won. He's the heel and he got cheered winning the North American title. And look at all the talent who was in that match who could have won it. And they were still cheering. They could have booed him because they were pissed that Ricochet didn't win or they were pissed that EC3 didn't win. Think, I don't even think in WWE he's a heel yet though. If you know what I mean? I just don't think they've not really done anything. I don't know because, really. I mean, they've they've 
They attack Sanity. He's brought out chairs and injured people. I feel like he's a heel, but I think the problem is there hasn't been as much repetitiveness with it because of something like the injury to Bobby Fish or him having to be in matches that he isn't normally in or stuff like that. But yeah, I will tell you this right now. I know I can see his popularity because all I had to do in the middle of Bourbon Street was yell Adam Cole and I would have like 50 people yell Bebe back at me. Oh, yeah. SummerSlam. Oh, was it Rumble? It was the Rumble. The Rumble. He he had the biggest pop um, Saturday and Sunday night. Yeah. I mean, it also helps that both of those were in Philly, and Philly is a very well-known Ring of Honor area. So Yeah, that's they, true. But like, they're very familiar with him. He got a better reaction than Roman Reigns did. Roman Reigns is a bitch. Can't even win a match yeah. anymore. That's the thing. I love how people hate on Roman for for you know being Vince's chosen one, but he hasn't won a major match in a long time, or he hasn't won them frequently. He loses the majority of the time he's on pay per view. Yeah, no, he's gonna win at the uh, the Saudi Arabia show because yeah. I think the guy there or wherever it is, the guy there like paid enough money to get a title change, I think, and also. Um, also, like that crowd is more likely to cheer for cheer him and get the response they want than um, yeah, this is actually anywhere else. Um, yeah, um, shout out to Lazy Booking on A2D Radio. They actually mentioned this on their show last night, but and I agree. And what you said, Byron, is that because people will mainly cheer for Roman, this will be a great time for not only to Roman to get the belt, but then for Roman to turn heel. He come back to America and he's like. All I had to do was go to another country to find people who would appreciate me. And you guys here in America don't appreciate me. Full on heel turn. He's going to do the gender gimmick and then gender be like, come yeah. on. <laughs> so where'd we get to? I have my internet's fine. Gender, gender Mahal. Yeah. Uh, we basically oh, worked our way from Adam Cole to Roman Reigns to Jinder Mahal somehow. Well, <laughs> Mahal a, a, versus a, you know, Randy Orton is going to be a backlash. Backlash, the co-branded backlash. It's like they're all co-branded now. Stop it. Yeah. Is that a Cole gassing now? Is he? Anyway, Adam Cole is a big deal. Um, story time with Adam oh. Cole. Um, Roddy uh, Strong has shitty little boots. Yeah. Look, I'm 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 open to being convinced, but right now I feel like I'm leaning a little more on the Meatloaf side of the Adam Cole debate. I would Just suggest saying. looking back at uh, Ring of Honor. I want to say maybe two years ago when it was. Yeah, the, I watched some of that stuff. It bored me to tears. The stuff where he reunited with Kyle O'Reilly to yes. Future Shock. I thought, but the swerve at the end of that was so good. I haven't I, seen it. No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Two too that's two years ago. Like Byron is still trying to get me not to spoil season two of Game of Thrones for him. I'm on season two, episode like three now. I know, I know. I'm still trying not to spoil season two for you. Get to work, Byron. I, I'm gonna watch Larry Sanders show again for the fifth time. Christ, it's not gonna make you any funnier. All right, so Shayna Baszler, Shayna Baszler goes over on Ember. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that, but I also nope. wasn't expecting that Ember was getting a call up either. So it awesome. makes perfect sense. I now. Yeah, I, I want that happened as soon as Shayna won the title. Everyone who was in the condo we were at were like, "Oh, Ember's going up. She'll be there Monday or Tuesday for sure." Yeah, I mean they it, it's really just kind of the mo right now. 
Um, though you can always lose and go up too uh, without having the belt. Like Mickey James kind of came back, had that super brief NXT run, and then it was like, oh yeah, she's great. Bring her back. <laughs> but um, I think Ember Moon's a great call up, by the way. I think she is exactly the right person to call up right now. And I'm glad um, they brought her to Raw and not SmackDown. Well, you say that now, but after they do the superstar shuffle, it might be like, oh, why did they bring her to Raw? I, that's the thing, too. I could totally see them. Someone who just freshly debuted and they move into another show or someone like Daniel Bryan, who's like, oh, I wrestled my first match on SmackDown in three years and he's going to Raw. Natty. They're going to give her to Natty and I'm just going to be bored to tears and I'm going to be so mad about it. They're going to put Natty on Raw, give Ember to Natty. But look, Natty will make Ember better. She really will. Mm. Natty's a pro. It's just, I don't want to watch you train with Natty on national television. I really don't. Like, how much does she need to train, though? That's I mean, what I was going to say. Yeah. Pedigree before she went to NXT. No it doesn't age. matter, man. Everybody who gets called up gets treated a certain way because now you're under Vince and it's a different story. Anybody who's over at that house will tell you that that's the way it works. Does not matter what the fuck you did in NXT. Doesn't matter what other stuff you've done. Once you first get called up to the big show, Vince is going to treat you like it's day one. Well, how about this? Here's another thing. Um, Ember Moon, I, I, I joked, I joked to you, with you about how now you don't have to say Naomi is your favorite wrestler. Um, because I never were, said Naomi was my favorite wrestler. You said that for at least a month. Never. A month. I, I bagged on her the whole time. Casey I didn't like her. Up, but he's not here right now. Byron, Byron, because but, you but, got a thing for black girl booties does not mean that, that I care anything about Naomi. <laughs> but what? What? <laughs> what? Uh, but, but the thing is, it's like um, they brought up Ember Moon and she's great. And to what you're saying earlier, she's a character. She's like a vampire warrior type werewolf, thing. werewolf, whatever. She's a thing, right? She's you know, a moons and werewolves that kind of go together. And yeah. she has the eyes and stuff. And she does no. like the claw. No, but, I'm pretty sure it's a werewolf gimmick, Byron. Yeah, but night creature. I'm like an obvious mm -hmm. werewolf gimmick. Like yeah, vampiro, vampire, moon, werewolf. Just saying. Okay, that's cool. She could be a werewolf oh, too cool. now. They've already um, done the brood too, man. I don't think they're going back to the vampire gimmick. Well, she could be a werewolf now that she's on on Raw or SmackDown now, but but she's coming up and she's not do. She's a person of color, not doing a person of color gimmick, gimmick. in a company okay. that. Have you heard her talk? Yeah, she's okay. Are you yeah. sure that she's a person of color? That's I've a good point. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. Like, honestly, honestly, but see, I'm colorblind. I don't see her as a person of color just because she is actually a person of color. Oh, are you saying she, she sounds like a, a privileged girl from the suburbs, regardless of color? Are you saying that I might be a racist because yes. I think just because someone's skin color is of a certain ethnicity, they might be that ethnicity? Yes. Wait, what? <laughs> I am. Jim's Mexican. I'm saying that your socioeconomic status oh, by the way, says yeah. a lot more about you than your skin color all day long. Like, look, Jim looks Mexican, but he's not. I'd remind Marty about How do you know that? I'd remind Marty. I'm like, oh, yeah, Marty, you remember, I'm not Mexican. Then why is his last name Mexican? Velasquez? Yes. 
It's not <laughs> Velasquez. God damn it. I didn't say Velasquez. I said Velasquez. <laughs> Whatever. No, but the thing is, it's, it's not. I mean, it doesn't really matter who she is. It's it's how WWE thinks they want to present her. And Jim, you got to be quiet about that, man. You're giving this show the Latino credibility. Yeah, you're bringing in viewers. We have Adam since Ray was a host for a while. I mean, I'm Philippines is the Mexico of Asia, so it really kind of is. Find that offensive. Anyway, look, Ember Moon, great call up. Love the girl, regardless yeah. of whether she's black, white, or indifferent. Um, she's great, though. She works well. I think she's one of the few people who have had competitive matches against Asuka in, under the WWE umbrella, where she could legitimately win. All right. Well, so you're Mr. NXT. So now what, is Shay- what do they do with Shayna? Who's, who's well, Shayna get now? Uh, the thing with Shayna, I mean, it's, it's also weird when they do call-ups in a women's division. Um, and then they need to do some call ins. Like, where's all these women from from the tournament last year? All those great performers that they had in the working houses. But that that's the thing. Where like they when you uh, what is it raid the cupboard or whatever the pantry gets bare pretty quick, and then you have Liv Morgan. Oh, but the the pantry is so full out there. There's so many women out there in wrestling right now that are great. Just bring them in. Yeah, they haven't really had Candice on yet. Candice is going to be a good foil. Candice is going to be the female uh, Cassius Ono. If they were to turn, I, I believe Bianca Belair's a heel. Yeah. But she acts, sometimes yeah. acts like a face. So if they turned her full face, she'd be great. I but think she's still a child and so brand new. Short but program. She's, wait, short program. She's, she's actually like, she wrestles better than she should at this point. Where's yeah. Tony Storm right now? That's who you put in there. Yeah. But they gotta, they gotta, they gotta establish on the Indies. Right, but I mean, yeah, bring her like, back. I'm sure Tony Storm wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. look a gift check in the mouth. I'm not sure why they haven't signed her. Maybe, or maybe she's like she probably wanted Jr. too much. Yeah, I don't think it's worth it for her. And for in all honesty, I, I th- and I, I think it's I, I'll tell her. you what, she's wrong. She's absolutely wrong. It's worth it for her because within two years, she would be up on the main show with one of the main belts. Yeah. Well, you real like the like rest of her this. career instead of slaving away in the fucking indies. She's absolutely wrong if she doesn't do it. But that's just my opinion. She should come in there for whatever chump change they want and just prove them wrong. But I think I think she likes it. I think she likes what she's doing now. And I think that's great for her development. She's super young. Look, Byron, you like hot pokers up your ass. That doesn't make it right. No, this is being a wrestler and wrestling all over the world. I think that's worth something. But uh, I think you do, yeah, you do look at, at like Alexa Bliss and you go, well, you could be her in their commercials for pay-per-views and stuff. And, in yeah. a heartbeat, Tony Stark yeah. could be that. In a heartbeat. But, she's, you know, she, she's also British, so maybe that could be off-putting. Me. Do you want to talk about uh, La Sombra versus Tommy End? I thought it was a great match. Uh, okay. Way to go, Tommy, for winning. But was it really Lasama versus Tommy End, or was it Cian no. Almas versus some Alistair guy? Almost, it was definitely an Almas versus Black match. It was. It was, it was totally not Lasama versus. It made it Tommy made End. me think to myself that Andrade is probably thinking back to himself, like, man. There was a time when I was in Los Ingles Bernables. Oh, God. And life was good. 
Oh God, what? Are you mad because I said you're Los Ingo Bernables? Your Speedy Gonzalez impersonation. Los Ingo Bernables? No. You know, where did when did Tejano walk in the room? Okay, Byron, say Los Ingo Bernables. Los Ingo Bernables. Jesus. <laughs> what? Yes. Is he uh, sounded like he was chewing some marbles. I just Me. said the same word you did. And Me, anyway, go, so tell, tell Byron how to say it the right way, Meatloaf. Going to be introducing. You can't talk over Meatloaf. He's got a distant connection, Byron. You have to let the man speak. Mute him. I would, I, I would probably destroy it, though. I, uh, what? I don't know how to say it properly. Let's see. Well, let's just give it a shot. Lost in Goblin Alvarez. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, see. That was murdered. great. Me, that was great. Triple A. That's about Triple A. Yeah. Me, if you should go yeah. to the hospital. I think you're having a stroke. <laughs> you <laughs> smell toast. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh, man. That's that's face but yeah, I, after after Aleister Black won the title, I was for sure thinking that Almas was going to debut on SmackDown. I was positive he was. I think he's, he's being punished by the gods. I think. Well, that would explain why he was the way he was. Ah, uh, so better. I, I mean, think I think he's ready. He has a main of main show presentation. I think H probably walked up to him backstage after that match, and he said, "So glad you dropped the title, but about that call up thing, I talked to uh, Papa Vince, and uh, no." <laughs> also, can we agree that yeah. he would not be where he was if it weren't for them putting Thea Trinidad with him? Yeah, she's, she's making him work so much better. So I don't know whose idea that was, but that improved his character so much. Yeah, yeah. Selena. But, but that's part of the whole like he was struggling at the beginning and he did want to quit. But bringing her in and doing the losing at the beginning, that was like a full thought out complex story and character development that really hasn't been, you know, followed yes. through upon. But he was clearly, he, he's got to get to the point where whatever's going on backstage doesn't translate to the ring. Because I think you can see it when he's happy with the booking, you get these great fucking performances. You get like the yeah. height of the Sombra kind of performances. And then this one, good match, but at the same time, felt a little off for both guys. Like Do you think that it was also because maybe they didn't want them going full throttle because of the main, actual main event. But it doesn't matter that, and that may actually be the case. But you're gonna get that call backstage, and Does somehow you have to get that call and still come out and exude the correct performance yeah. that sells it to us. Doesn't matter what's going on backstage, man. If you only get thirty seconds, I've seen guys go out and make a thirty second spot mean more than what those guys did with a headlining spot. It it became the afterthought of this whole great weekend of wrestling and these are two guys that a year ago people couldn't shut up about i mean these guys were all the fucking rage everybody was fucking talking about them everybody had high expectations and high hopes for them and they have every bit of ability to perform at that level but when you get the spotlight you gotta take it and you gotta shine. Like I still think Alistair will have those moments, but I don't think that uh, I don't think that Cian almost was there with him, which I think hurt him. Which is where he's got to learn. Like, doesn't matter what the guy across from you is is exuding. You gotta still put it out there. You still gotta take it up a notch. 
and and for both of those guys that is the difference between being a real main event star and just the king of the indies well i mean with that being said i still think that how they did the finish of that match worked perfectly for the story that they were telling absolutely i yeah. think the writers did their job mm-hmm. and i think those guys went out and told that told the story they told a good story i don't think they told the best version of the story for themselves i think that they could have shown a little more of themselves in the match and gotten it over even more. And they could have stolen the weekend without breaking any of Vince's little rules. That's just my opinion, but we'll see. All right. I just hope he leaves. The so um, one of the other things from WrestleMania that I really want to talk about was the Finn Balor entrance. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, here and I was asking these guys. I was like, "Is Finn Balor gay?" I don't. I, I don't know what his sexual preferences is. I, I don't know that I care one way or the other. But I thought it was uh, an awesome and surprising statement uh, for him to come out in support of the LGBTQ uh, neighborhood. Did I get all of those in there? I think L-G-B-T-Q. you got all of them. LGBTQ. Yeah. yeah. For for the everybody for the inclusion. Yeah. Um, Ballard Club is for everybody. I thought it was a pretty ballsy, bold thing to do. I don't know if it was front office. I don't know if it's something he was pushing for. I don't know if I care one way or the other. Um, I mean, we but saw him, they pushed, they were pushing that t-shirt like online pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, like through social yeah. media and everything. So I feel like the build was there and that was the full on execution. Uh, I know when we were there, we were surprised that he didn't come out as the demon at all. So, right. Well, yeah, but I mean, the demon like a, means a different way, thing. But but at the same time, UFC has has done something like this in the past, uh, and they didn't take it this far. And to put it on WrestleMania on one of your biggest characters and let him come out that way for a sport where uh, a lot of conservative and religious right follows it and they're not going to agree with it and you know they're not going to they're not going to like it it's going to make him kind of a heel in a lot of people's eyes it's a bold strong choice and don't forget vince and linda are republicans (laughs) and and not not that all all republicans are uh against the lgbtq community by any stretch of the imagination they are not um but at the same time a large portion of that world and where that money comes from in that world is. So it is a very tricky thing. And politically speaking on business level, that is amazing. And they seem to have pulled it off. It seemed to have ruffled a few feathers, but not have caused any big stir or mass exodus away from the product. So kudos to everyone involved in doing that. I think it's awesome when you can show inclusion for any group of fans that your product has uh that another group of your fans may not like (laughs) that's tough i i think with that being said i feel like because of everything that they're doing with the lgbqt community i think that's it that's Um, all of them but i don't know if that's the right order but but i feel like for whoever for the amount of people that you may be quote-unquote alienating or, you know, uh, who might be distancing themselves from that because of their, whatever their opinions are, you may also bring in a whole new slew of fans. They're like, oh, they're supporting us. And I think that's really great. I saw a lot of those t-shirts in New Orleans. Yeah. And that shirt has only been out for, I want to say, maybe a week before WrestleMania. 
So I think that says a lot. I think this is something that Finn has been on his own uh, been into. I think he's uh, been a little bit pro- uh, progressive on his on his personal Twitter personal message that he puts out there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely um, when you look at f- bringing fans in versus alienating. The math is you know supports trying to bring the more fans in. But I also think like when you just weigh uh, like what it does, some people could get pissed off because they're uncomfortable with the idea of gay people or people who are not quote unquote normal and they don't want to have to think about that. And then you have a bunch of people from different backgrounds uh, and ways of life who have always uh, felt like they're outside or the other and never included. And all of a sudden this huge star on this huge show says, Hey, you're cool. It's okay. like you're part of you're part of the group now, and I think that feeling and that um, action is way way bigger than people getting offended. Now, so are there any openly gay male WWE performers right now? There was Darren Young. There was Darren Young. But there was, was Darren. Young. Gone. I don't know. I should I say, know. are there any good? <laughs> another part of that is like that's not really part of the conversation i don't think i don't think that matters unless it's a storyline no i well i don't i don't necessarily think there has to be a a storyline either i think if you had a performer who was openly gay and then they just come out and do their routine without it having to be a part of the storyline I think that to me, that is the true barrier to break to the point where it is this person is out. They're living their life a certain way. It's whatever. It's it's the same. It's no more than saying like, oh, the Miz is married and has a kid like, oh, so and so is engaged to this guy. Like, that's all you ever say about it. And then they still come out and perform. They still do the same angles as everyone else. I think if you get to that point, and they're doing it a little bit with, uh, what's her face? Sonia Deville? Is that what her mm-hmm. gimmick yep. name is? They they do. Like, where they, they've acknowledged it, but she's just she just comes and performs. She just comes and yep. does her thing. It has nothing to do with her storyline or character. Yeah. Um, yes. But again, but again... Well, look, and, and we know from from watching the Nia Jax thing, everything's fair game. Like, if it's an angle and it makes sense at yeah. that point in time, I even forgive it because it's like, look, if it's an angle and it makes sense, we're going to do it. But that's why I say if it's an angle and it makes sense, that's when you discuss it. But if it's Finn Balor being inclusive and putting the T-shirt and welcoming, um, welcoming, uh, you know. Uh, now, I, I have to ask to you, though, people. Byron. I have to I have to ask you, though, Byron. Yeah. First of all, what, to finish the other point, though, I think when you do that with a male performer, I don't think it matters. You know, if you do it with a male performer, I think that's the moment where you truly have broken through, and especially if it's more than one, yeah. where they are openly gay and they are treated completely equally, and they're just used like regular wrestlers. That is the moment of equality. Well, but, the funny thing is, is that. You say that, but that's literally happening right now in New Japan with the Golden Lovers. Well, that's my next point. So what I was getting to, my next question was, do you think that it is actually Vince just saying, yeah, Finn, go ahead and do your gay thing so that we can sell some T-shirts like the Golden Lovers? It very well could be. I mean, the good thing is really just money at the end of the day. 
I mean, it could be about money, but at least we can say, as was just mentioned in the chat by, uh, I believe, Rebecca, but some of the uh, proceeds are going to GLAD. Yeah. So well, at least there's something there. They're working on a LGBTQ uh, chair. I think WWE. Well, that might also the- just be to make New yeah. Japan look stupid, too, because I'm pretty sure zero dollars from any Golden Lovers merchandise are going to any kind of gay, lesbian, yeah. trans, bisexual, or queer organization. But also there's their gimmick isn't so much about a statement. It's more about them just being them. Yeah. But like that's yeah. just Kenny and Coda. I think I think uh, WWE though, they're very progressive socially. And I think they do want to I think this this is one a part of a social program they want to continue working on, you know? So I, I do think it's something they're they're in support of. And, you know, making money is great, but also, you know, they want to be at the forefront of this sort of thing, I think. And, you know, it's definitely being so progressive, um, non-kayfabe socially is in direct contrast with a lot of stuff they do in the show. Look, exoticos and flamboyant characters and your gorgeous Georges and your Adrian Adonis's and your gold yeah. dust and your, you know, your Pimpinellas and your whatnot, your exoticos and triple A. They have been a part of the business for a long time. Yeah. It is a circus carny business that has always embraced a certain freak show type element. Um, But what I still think really breaks the bar, what really knocks down the wall is when you do it and it's not a freak show. So we'll see. Golden lovers are doing it and it's not a freak show. Mm hmm. They're also not really acknowledging it very much on the head. So you could kind of dismiss the whole thing. I want to see it be completely acknowledged. Hold on. And treated like it's not a freak show. Hold on. Golden lovers are called the golden lovers. Yeah, but and? even Kenny Omega come out and comes out and says that it's not really about their relationship. It's about the story of them two guys who respect each other and work together finally coming back. Kind of shit. Yeah, they're clearly so culturally downplaying it still. Well, that might be because they've, when that gimmick first started at DT, DDT, it was a little bit more, you know, over the top over and the top. ridiculous, which is, you know, it's DDT, which makes sense. But so for, they don't have to do it that way now because it's already accepted. Okay. It doesn't have to be over the top. On the, on, on the back of this conversation, um, the Briscoes. So I was at the uh, Fight Club Pro uh, two weeks ago now, Easter weekend. Um, but yeah, I didn't know about the Briscoes being a bit homophobic. So oh. there was actually um, LGBT protests on the third night. But like on the second night we were there, <laughs> people actually got up and walked out because of it and it was in Manchester where Progress run and Progress is a bit more you know Jim Smallman is a bit more of a yeah progressive company <laughs> I would but hope like, so like the, one of the Briscoes grabbed like someone came up to him with the rainbow flag he grabbed the rainbow flag and used it to strangle someone oh I'm not surprised ultimate heel move I but I mean yeah. but like this is kind of the, the thing heat, too it's ridiculous but you also got to keep in mind that some of these old school guys, they'll play something like that, even if it's completely not true for the reaction. Sometimes 
and, and to the point where the kayfabe becomes real life. Not not dismissing anything that they should or should have done or not done. Not saying that they're saints by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just true. Some wrestlers take gimmicks too far, and it's happened on many many occasions. Like you know, the ones that Casey likes to talk about those two tall bald brothers. <laughs> like yeah. how uh, how bad are they really, or are they living the gimmick? Is it totally a shoot? Is it a little bit of a work? They got SS yeah. tattoos. They, they got they got they got fucking matching SS tattoos. Yeah, they got SS tattoos. They got SS t-shirts. Anybody who fucking puts themselves in the fucking company should just fucking think twice because they're pieces of shit. The guy who's fucking running, he's trying to fucking back them up and do all the shit. He's a fucking twat. <laughs> he can go fucking right. I, I fucking. Like you don't fucking get an SS toe. If, if I if you got a fucking SS toe, you were asking to be fucking punched, and you should be. You should have that, your head fucking stomped. That might that fucking might fucking in fact dumb. be the case, and that because might be are, in fact their, their desired result. It, it, doing some fucking bite. There's nothing to do with the biker gimmick. They had it before, and they've got fucking matching ones and all that bullshit. And then they try to fucking cover it with lightning, like it's a fucking Metallica cover out. You know. Well, we have a lot. We have a lot of friends that work for those guys in that particular company. I mean, do they? Do you think that they don't know, or do you think that you know? At the end of the day, uh, green is the I color mean, that washes away all hate. I think yeah, it's all yeah. It's all different. That we're not funny, but America, America's and I'm not having a pop at anybody here, but America's and everywhere's full of it. I mean, you look at the fucking state media here, BBC here, fucking pricks who fucking run things about um, a politician who's fought racism his entire life being a racist because the fucking Tories want them to. <laughs> and then the state media here is basically run by a fucking um, rich people who want to like use idiotic public to just. Well, uh, <laughs> wait. The media is run by rich people. You don't say. Well, yeah, no, but the, the the thing is, is like they, they have the question time with like the two different political parties, and like all the questions are directly just like, oh no, 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 forget that they want to take away school meal, free school meals for poor kids. Forget that. Jeremy Corbyn is, uh, was once spoken to a spoke to a Russian person, therefore he's a Russian spy. That's what they go with. <laughs> Your media is Live amazing. On a debate. Our media is pretty amazing too, but your media gets to cover Ed Sheeran, which makes them more often. Yeah, I heard the Harris Brothers things. If if the Harris Brothers have like you know they had fucking SS tattoos and they thought it was fucking cool and they were maybe now they're reformed or some shit because apparently you know obviously I think it's his daughter. One of the daughters has is married to a black guy or something. I'm not sure, but maybe maybe they don't say we're reformed. We Look, it, it, here's the thing, man. In the wrestling world, I don't know these guys. I've never met them. I, you, I just don't ever know what's real and what's not real. Some, some, there are some guys who have been in the wrestling world that come from certain places, and they are really, honest to God, old school racist fucking pricks. And then there are some guys where. They have worked a gimmick and they have worked it a little too strong with language that was a little too strong and ignorant. And yet they're absolutely not racist, even though they may have said some things that were really off color at some point in time. But it's the wrestling world, man. 
you you got to decide at a certain point in time, like, man, I will do just about anything to get over. Or you got to decide that, like, I won't cross a certain line to get over. Some guys cross that line when they shouldn't. And honestly, I don't know shit about the Harris one Harris brothers one way or the other. So, like, you people that are out there that we we know and love that are working for them, you tell us. Do you think that these guys deserve your blood, sweat, tears, and money, or are they really some guys that have some fundamental issues socially um, and that their awareness is really that far off? Because I'd, I'd love to know what people really honestly think about these guys. I don't know them. I don't, know, I don't even know enough of the story to care one way or the other, um, but I will say that on the surface, some of their actions, especially the tats and stuff, they, they don't bode well. <laughs> It's not a good look. Like some t-shirt, some gimmick, you know, coming out yeah. and saying some shit. That's that's understandable. When you no, they had the t-shirts too. Flesh. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying to you is, is that, that that you can get away with that. You can work around that. You can say it's a gimmick. It was just yeah, like the Trump gimmick in Mexico. Yeah. All the but guys. When, that. But when you fucking brand your flesh with the fucking symbol of an organization to wipe out an entire race of people not just uh, well not just the jews there were gypsies blacks anybody who was a fucking minority they face the earth and they have branded their flesh with that mmm show your number one stop for politics <laughs> yeah. well hey it's, it is you wrestling related it is you saw my investigative journalism last time and he wanted a bite of the apple you know what i mean all right we'll move on from this because i don't think there is an answer right now but we clearly all know how me feels as rebecca has said um why don't you shave your pedo stash okay so the nicholas the the nicholas gimmick guys well first of all we gotta we gotta say that uh undertaker went over on cena exactly the way he should have Mm -hmm. dear lord why didn't they just do that match last year no yeah. clue. It was well done. It was in the middle of the show where it should have been. It was the right length. Um, Mr. Calloway looked amazing for that amount of time <laughs> because he got to come out and squash somebody, do a couple spots. I like that Cena got to squash before Undertaker got to squash him. This is old school WWE at its finest. Give the people what they want. Get a nice pop. Like, dear Lord, when did they stop doing stuff like that on WrestleMania? That's that's what WrestleMania is supposed to have. Nice, quick, nostalgia spot. Let your guys get out there. Get a little stick time. You got your new heel over. You got your, your team player guy over. And you got your old vintage hero over. Perfect. Well done. Kudos. Casey was happy. But um, that's still... <laughs> Still doesn't explain Roman. Still doesn't explain a few things. But Braun and Nicholas, um, one of the hottest spots of the night, and completely got over. I think whether you it loved it or so hated over. it, it was so yeah. over live. I could not believe how over it was. But I think that's just because it was totally unexpected, and it, everyone was just like, "Fuck it, why not? Go, kid." <laughs> I mean, unexpected is good, but and and. You know, there was kids in the room when I was watching it that totally were like, oh, my God, some other 10 year old kid just got a belt and they popped so hard. So, but is this not our kidding? <laughs> I mean, 
for for all the shit that that WCW took for the Arquette thing, and maybe it's different because it's not the heavyweight title, and and he did have a credible partner, so maybe that makes it excusable and forgivable. But the second it happened, I just saw floods of stuff on Twitter and different places, like, oh, he's gonna have a run, or he's gonna show up and do this, that, and this, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're either gonna have him relinquish and drop it immediately the next night, or Braun does a gimmick where they free bird it to a new rando that he picks out of the audience every time. Those are the only two possibilities in my mind. Nicholas ever having any type of run past whatever happens in New Orleans, I didn't believe was ever an option. And anybody who did is a fucking moron who has never watched wrestling before. He was supposed to pin uh, Cesaro in a rematch on Raw, but Cesaro nixed it. <laughs> I do love that uh, or something. I do love that uh, tweet going around basically saying like Sami Zayn, zero titles in the entire time he's been in WWE, sans NXT. Nicholas debuts at WrestleMania, wins the tag title. Undefeated champion. Can we make it look? He's as good as Seth Rollins' knee. Maybe we should make him a Grand Slam champion. Just saying. Um, I liked it. I was entertained by it. and that was that was when I realized that I'm not I couldn't be mad at it because I sat there, I watched Braun walk around and pass up No Way Jose and isn't that what you thought happened Byron? Yeah, he walked past No Way Jose. Uh, he also walked past uh Bobby Fish and probably a few oh, other guys. That entire section was uh it was, was like the wrestlers friends and family session section, yeah, it right? was. And the funny thing was is that that was I believe like a fifth to eighth row so they had chairs as in like the collectible chairs but because they're the wrestlers they don't keep them people were snagging that shit yeah oh and they're actually people were able to get out of the arena with more than one chair but then they started checking people like one take one ticket one ticket, one, one chair yeah i i do know some people who should have just should have just said i'm carrying this one for nicholas he's backstage <laughs> right now it's just I, funny when braun is looking for a tag partner and he is walking through a crowd, and you see this one head above everyone else's head. And it's this giant motherfucker who you've seen fight before. And Braun is like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. I'm going to pass them all up and go for this girlish little boy named Nicholas, yeah. which was also, awesome. Also, I thought he picked a girl at first. Yeah. I think we all did. Bro. Especially, I was, I was like in the second level, and I could have sworn it was a girl. Yeah. It, it might have been. But and hey, when look, he said his when he said his name was Nicholas, I'm like, oh, nope, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna keep quiet about this. It was it was it was a fun spot. It was a fun spot. But uh, as yeah. much as people put it over and thought it was a spot of the night, I honestly think uh, Ronda Rousey got it. I think oh, she, she actually. I think she did it. I think she I did, did a great job. Well, here's here's my here's my thing about Shayna is that I thought Shayna was coming into her sort of. Uh, uh, her bully gimmick and her she was coming into her her own in NXT and she was having that confidence but she also like you could feel the pain in, in how she was talking you know the, a little bit of subtlety and fueling the heel tactics that she uses I thought she was doing great she became champ and that was you know good for her Ronda Rousey shows up for one match and it's like Shayna needs to go back to school she has nothing 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but Shayna's working a different thing. There's also a reason yeah. why Shayna's in NXT and Ronda's on the big show in WrestleMania for her first match. It's just it's remarkable how much Ronda like jumped into that presence in wrestling. Well, and this is but see, and this has always been hard for Ronda because ever since she came into MMA, she has been a star. There would literally be no women's MMA in the UFC. If it were not for her, she was the one that Dana finally looked up. He had seen Julie Kedzie. He had seen uh, uh, Gina Carano. He had seen Cyborg. He had seen all these people. And it was like one day Dana looked up, saw Ronda Rousey on a strike force card or elite XC or whatever it was called at the time. And was like, Oh, Oh, that that's, a female fighter oh we can do this now like all that stuff i said about women never being in the ufc forget it forget it if that chick is one of them we can totally do this so i mean she's had that star power and something about her and that draw for a long time and i didn't think we would see it i thought she was bruised broken and damaged goods mm-hmm. after the way she left the ufc and most mma fans that are in the know and follow MMA for real know that Ronda has trouble with the media recently. She's had trouble taking her lumps and losses, which we all know in wrestling, eventually they're going to book you to lose. You're going to have to deal with that. You can't be invincible forever, though. She probably has a better chance of, you know, going way above 500 in her wrestling career with her storyline and gimmick. Um, she's but the same Brock, but she's also a baby face, which means that, they might put some losses on her at some point in time and make her chase. Cause that's how it goes. Um, but that's the other weird thing about the Shayna part is you see her the night before with Shayna and they're celebrating with the heel. And then the very next day at WrestleMania, we're supposed to take Rhonda as the ultimate baby face, which we did. And it worked. And you know, I, I thought that the unsung hero of that match was Stephanie McMahon. Steph was in great shape. Her work rate was right. She did all the right stuff to show us what Ronda's skill set's going to be. Even though I thought it was ridiculous that Stephanie McMahon could block a Ronda armbar when, you know, 12 of the baddest women on the planet before her couldn't do it. Uh-huh. Um, but at the same time, it's almost good that they did that. We're establishing how you work a Ronda match. And Stephanie set the example for the next five years of women that are going to have to fight Ronda Rousey of how the match goes. You know, like, you know what a Ric Flair match is. I feel like after watching that, I know what a Ronda Rousey match is. And a lot of it is because of Steph, which is fucking incredible. I never thought I'd be saying these things. These words that are coming out of my mouth make no sense. I mean, if I could find a parallel here, I could actually see it very similar to Trish Stratus, someone who had zero experience in the industry beforehand comes in and they learn and they drastically improve and then they become one of the best. And who did Trish fight along with Rhonda? Steph. She fought Steph when Steph was women's champion. Yeah, I mean, people people can't deny it. Like, mm. people say, oh, well, Steph's not a wrestler. The fuck she isn't. She grew up in that damn ring, y'all. She's not necessarily a worker. She doesn't go in there and work every week because she doesn't have to. And who the fuck would if they didn't have to? She gets over without having to do that. You think every wrestler in the world 
wouldn't love to be able to get in there, kick ass when they want to, and not have to fucking beat themselves up on the road 200 days a year. Goddamn right she doesn't get in there all the time. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't know what she's doing at this point in time. From the from way back whenever she did the wedding angle on, she has been an actual in-ring performer, and she knows what the hell she's doing. That um, wedding angle, by the way, had re- drastic real-life ramifications. We're <laughs> supposed to, like, test was like, I'm going to have some cool shit. I'm going to have, like, a on-screen angle going with the boss's daughter. I'm going to be a big player, right? And then Triple H comes in, ends up marrying Steph, and it will be running the, the company, you know, in, in the near future, right? Um, and things ended up working out less fortunate for test. So I'm going to get you a t-shirt made that says, don't like the WWE storylines on one side and on the back, it's going to say it could have been test. It could have been <laughs> test and Stephanie running in, it could some have been other, in some other alternate dimension. Test is having a WrestleMania match every year. <laughs> I mean, Kenny's you- booking NXT yeah. the way test would book it right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everyone on the roster would look like the authors of pain. (laughs) And I don't want to I don't want to like really get into investigative journalism too much because (laughs) lawyers told me not to get into that this this week because, you know, you you play with heavy politics like I was doing and feathers get ruffled. So I don't want to really do that. But I don't know if it's necessarily out of line to say that it's Triple H's fault. (laughs) <laughs> this whole thing is amazing i want you okay byron i know i know what your lawyers told you but look yeah we we run a tight ship around here and this podcast means something to I people say. i want you no no i want you to go out there i want you to get the evidence and i want you to come back with it next week i tell us tell us the true the real story of triple h and test you want me to drive to orlando or you want me to go to stanford i just want you to come back with the real story of Triple H and Test. I think this is important. I think we, I think just it's simple. Triple but, H. But you have to do the investigation, even if it's simple, Byron. It's investigative journalism. You have to investigate. All right, I'll, I'll investigate. This is when MMM show becomes a news magazine show. Oh my God, it's yeah. going to happen one day. All right, Raw after Mania. I don't know if I want to get into murder, dude. It's one just, thing to get into felony incest, but I don't want to get into murder. Well, don't get yourself murdered by doing it, but maybe look into it. What if Triple H is like, I wish I directed the Vanilla Ice Project, then I'm going to get murdered. So, we, well, look, let's talk about the Raw after. Jim, Jim was there. Also a pretty good show. Um, some of the stuff was n- non-revelations, like you know Steph coming and putting, uh, coming out and putting over Ronda again. You know, I loved all of her. I'm gonna say all the nice things that everyone needs to think and put all those thoughts in your head, and then I'm gonna heel turn on them. I've always loved that whole gimmick. Every time someone does it, it pops me. Just Steph did it perfectly again. Just to recap, like what you're supposed to be thinking about Ronda after WrestleMania. I'm going to say all those things and then I'm going to tell you she sucks. Um, I love that. Um, But the most over, the most over of the night, fucking Elias. Elias. I will tell you right now that that entire show, with the exception of the opening segment with Steph and Ronda and Elias, and maybe some of. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, 
it did not feel like an after WrestleMania Raw, even with all the crazy debuts. It, I don't know. Maybe it's because I was there live and I wasn't watching it on TV, but it just didn't feel like it. And Or maybe it could have been because, shit, I have been in New Orleans for way too long. I want to go home kind of mentality. <laughs> right. Um, also want to mention I was there at Raw representing the MMM show. Yeah. In, in my OG shirt and my Zubas. I couldn't bring in my fanny pack because uh, I believe they had the whole like clear plastic bag uh you know, rule kind of thing. So I didn't even bother bringing it in, but hey, there were a lot of guys who were in Zubas. I was glad to be one the of them. Zubas, the Zubas were amazing. And you, uh, though I know you go to the gym, you're not exactly the kind of gym rat that I expect to see wearing the Zubas. So when I saw that picture, I was just like, that's fucking good. That is some good stuff right there. I felt like I convinced a lot of people that they should buy Zubas that weekend. Not by me saying anything, but no. by them seeing me wear them. You just make the statement. Jim Skay Nakamura comes back the next day, rocking MMM show Zuba style. Priceless. Not so priceless. Paul Ellering. <sighs> Dear Lord. Oh, what but the fuck? Who do you have to piss off? Like, do they need him in NXT that bad? I don't think it was a piss off thing. I think it was because now that AOP is on the main roster, I mean, you primarily saw uh, Ellering on NXT TV yeah. and takeovers. He he was not at any house shows. He didn't do anything like as far as like autograph signings or anything else that AOP would be involved in. Paul's just not going to go on the road with WWE. No, but see, it just sucks because. I'm thinking to myself, oh man, this is one of the few guys left from the last great generation of managers. Like, can we actually have a real manager spot on one of the big shows? I'm like, yeah, bring it in Paul. Maybe he's not there all the time. This is great. Because Paul Heyman as an advocate, not the same thing. Not the same thing as the guy who walks around the ring, doesn't always say much, but cuts a good promo every now and then, does something slimy, like... Paul's still doing the old school thing. And then, nope. Uh-uh. Rug just pulled right out. I was like, oh, if AOP's here, we're going to finally get it on the big show. I, I honestly don't think the rug was pulled out from under him. I think he stepped off the rug. He's, oh, yeah, he, doesn't leave, he doesn't want to leave Florida. He's just going to be, you know, that's why NXT was was easy for him. He could just show up once a month. I mean, but is that part of it, too? Is like once you get to the big show, though, you, you shouldn't have to have a, a manager holding your hand. I mean, I feel I, like a lot of these people could like, come on, the Usos right now, if they had a good manager, they'd be so much more over. Yeah, I mean, if you looked AOP, like they <coughs> when, if they showed it on uh, NXT TV this week and it was on WWE.com, but they, you, for the first time, had a full promo in English. I've never heard them cut a promo in English before. They yeah. might have said like a few words in the ring in English, but most of the time they're just speaking, you know, the what I can't remember which foreign language they speak. I, I, I want to say Albanian, but it's something like that. Yeah, but like, yeah, they've never actually cut a promo before. So I think this is them basically, this is them jumping off the diving board. This is them like, you're fully in it now. It's all it's all on you guys. Get in yeah. the deep end and... and sink or swim mm -hmm. well we'll see well paul was one of the big losers this week um samoa joe coming back was was kind of cool um the the woken family reunion bit was funny i hope to god borash wrote that um that seemed like a borash bit 
Yeah, it did. It did. But it was well timed in the show where it made sense and it all played out. And it was a good callback to, you know, getting the whole new Bray as a Hardy gimmick. Um, also, I, dig I, think, it. I think it's great in the sense that it served two purposes. It showed that Bray is fully aligned with with Matt. And at the same time, it was able to separate Jeff from Matt, where even though they're not feuding or they're not doing anything like that, they're still they're still together, but they're separate entities now. They're complete. Yeah. They're separate entities. And it put over the mythology, you know, the brother Nero, the nah. whole th- it, it kind of kept the mythology working, but it also was tongue in cheek with Jeff kind of looking at everyone else. Like, yeah, man, I don't know. This is my brother's trip. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, maybe he's saying, yeah, it's, it's real, but I'm not doing that thing. I don't know. Like the whole thing just felt right. It was really well done. I think that um, segment le- basically led to not only Jeff being on his own for the time being, but it also leads to the open return of Brother Nero, Willow, and Willow, that um, other character that he has. I can't remember the name of it. Well, and I think uh, part of the getting away with this stuff, I don't know if it's because they're working with Impact or if it's because of the Borash influence and maybe all the people who actually wrote these ideas are all at WWE now. So it's fair game. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it's all working, but I, I like it. I like where it's going. I did not like where they started with the Bray thing, but I think I like where they finished. I think I like them getting him away from his sister, Abigail gimmick, like make him a different kind of crazy for a while. Yeah. I think the thing is, is that WWE, the writers in WWE themselves failed Bray Wyatt. So now this is their kind of a way to bring him back because after they, you know, the whole Randy Orton thing, actually basically his character has been killed ever since uh, John Cena beat him, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan on raw. Right. It's been downhill ever since then. As well, but look, as- <clears throat> clearly they still love these guys. I mean, the bludgeon brothers got fucking gold now. Yeah, but they're not whites anymore. Yeah, but I'm just saying these these workers are still all over. You know, they've never completely given up on Bray, even though they've completely failed him. I feel like everybody in the back knows it's not these guys. It's the fact that they had a great gimmick. They didn't see it through to where it should have gone. They took it to uh, uh, the wrong place. And then now these guys deserve to be brought back from the abyss. Do you remember when uh, Cena through stairs from inside the ring and hit brain a face outside the ring that did well for him i remember watching that spot and thinking holy shit i can't believe he took that and it looked awesome oh no i i personally my favorite thing was when they had you know the redneck crazy wyatt family chasing around the three black guys who like to shuck and jive on raw just saying that made me feel really really good as a black person oh now now you're all about the racial sensitivity stuff that no, one was pretty it. awful. But you also, know. that that segment was a direct answer to Matt Hardy's whole thing in TNA, like yeah. the whole compound thing. Right. Except Matt Hardy is the kind of the happy Carolina redneck that you love. By the, the way, he still Wyatt's and that other thing was not. Was that's not what, yeah, the Hardys were backyard wrestlers, and that's what they were doing. They were backyard wrestling. Yeah, as other people, they weren't doing deliverance. As other people that ye, we know could probably tell you, like Matt Hardy still does that gimmick outside of the ring. Like he uh, he was literally on Bourbon Street in guard, <laughs> guard going delete. Like it was insane. And, uh, and then my friend ran into him at the airport and he was still 
in gimmick, like acting yeah. in gimmick. I, when, I don't know if it's a gimmick. Yeah, when we met him at FSW, he was like a little more regular, but still kind of like way, way too in character. <laughs> With the accent of in, an indeterminate background. But it was like, hey, Matt, can I get a picture? And he goes, yes, we shall have a picture. And you're like, Matt, there's, it's just me and you standing here, bro. Like, it's, it's all good. Like, we're cool. And he's like, yes. Capture this moment in time on your photographic device. Yeah, that, those words. He's, he's, there's something, there's something. <laughs> um, anything else from Raw of interest? I mean, mm. I, even though I heard, you know, people talking about it, I was just completely, s- completely surprised by Lashley returning. I, I knew it was there, but I just didn't, I just, just wasn't thinking about it. So, I mean, can I ask a question? I think it's interesting, but I don't know if it's going to be a good fit this time either. What, what's your question, Byron? Who cares? About Lashley? Yeah. That's a really good question. I mean, I, I guess Titus Worldwide could use another member. No. Yeah, that's all black people want segments so we don't have to see them more. No, Titus, Titus Worldwide's newest member is going to be No Way Jose. Oh, no, no. He's got too much hair. It has to be bald black dudes with muscles. I think Lashley fits right in. Uh, I think it's Titus Baldwide. <laughs> if you're gonna, I mean, if you're going to put together a team with a look, why not? Um. Okay, so my other big losers of the week, along with uh, Andrade Cien Almas and along with Paul Ellering, I'm going to put uh, KO and Sammy in there, though I know they've got a storyline going. I, I get the whole being fired from SmackDown thing. I get them facing off on Raw, which I thought was a good twist to the storyline. I like that angle, but at oh, the that same whole time... Thing- that whole thing with Angle going, I hear TNA's hiring, got the craziest reaction. It was hilarious. It was, it was hilarious. like everyone was looking at each other, just like freaking out. Like, I don't know how it came off on TV. I love the people that are like, oh, he said TNA, that company doesn't even exist, blah, blah, blah. That was half the point, motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, you think he didn't know that? <laughs> that mean, was also, uh, you think that wasn't scripted? Somebody wrote him that line, by the uh, way. Last week, El Generico t-shirts went up on sale. This week, Kevin Steen t-shirts went back up on sale in Pro Wrestling Tees. I could totally see Kevin Steen and El Generico showing up on Raw or SmackDown saying, oh, I'm not Sami Zayn. I'm El Generico. I'm not Kevin Owens. I'm Kevin Steen. Please let them do that because that is the only hope for pulling this angle out of the garbage now i mean if you look at social media aren't they are they kevin steen is back to fight steen fight he's not fight owens fight anymore and uh, el generico resurfaced from the orphanarium in tijuana to tweet no do you think they have to keep him off tv for a little while to make it work yes right so we'll see them on monday (laughs) yeah how long was cm punk gone after he quit, quit the company i think it was two weeks two weeks Two weeks, yeah. But didn't he do like a Comic Con? He showed up. A, he did show up at Comic Con. Kevin well, Owens. They can't. Um, they can't help themselves. Fight, and then he also did like he cleaned out his whole Twitter, and it's just a black picture. Yep. All right. Well, it should be interesting. Um, my other big loser of the week is uh, Carmella. Believe it or not, Carmella finally cashes in, gets her belt. And does anyone care? 
because it just because of the fact that it was the last thing that happened in wrestling. <laughs> I mean, the crowd this, seemed to care. No, I'm, I'm not saying it was a good moment. Like the whole thing worked or whatever. But at the same time, like in the grand scheme of things that you remember from this week, why do they do it now? Really? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I get that Charlotte had to have her match and Oscar and this, that, and the other thing. But at the same time, it's like Carmella is such an afterthought now. It's such an asterisk, just weird afterthought. And I've always hated that whole belt change the day after Mania thing. I mean, I, I wish they would have waited until next week or a week. Like, I get it, but I feel bad for her. <laughs> That's just my take on it. We're almost three and a half hours here, guys. Oh, we're so done. There's nothing else to say. We've talked about all of it. There's crazy stuff going on, people. Um, I have a ton more things to say about uh, Penta and Phoenix and Rey Mysterio. I find that all to be very intriguing. That's very fresh information. I've been hearing little pieces of it for weeks now. Um, and we'll talk more about it. Um I'm very pleased with the impact that luchacentral.com is having so far. Um, yes. And I think that uh, if you're following us and you're not following them, get on it, man. Get on there. Register yourself an account. Start paying attention because uh, those guys that are, are behind that site, I think, did their whole site release this week the right way. And uh, they're building Steam the right way. They've got the right content up there. They picked the right time to run some yeah. big stories this week. And um, I think everybody should check it out because I think it's going to be a good home for a lot of information and fun stuff that we all enjoy. There's a lot of stuff going on, too. In addition to, like, where is Ray going to work this week? Where is, you know, who's coming back to AAA? But you also have, like, the Mysticos doing the La Parca versus La Parca face-off. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to have the match or not, but like all the latest is on uh, Lucha Central. Well, like, yeah, we didn't even talk about CMLL, who had a big week as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's there's a lot of stuff. MLW, we didn't talk about Shane Strickland winning their belt. I mean, there's so many things that we didn't even touch in this three and a half hour episode. I mean, Should it was a it was a lot for four hours. It was a long week. It's there still going. Long. It's crazy. It's crazy. And we took a week off too, which didn't help us out any. <laughs> yeah. But everyone was gone. I was working. You were at Mania. Byron is Byron trying to not get arrested for looking like TJ Miller. Hold on. By the FBI. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's a bad time to look like TJ Miller, bro. That's all I'm saying. I got another text from Rob from he saw Deadpool 2 and he took another video of TJ <laughs> Miller and texted to me and wrote LOL. Hey, wait, that's a spoiler. That movie's not out yet. You know he's in it. <laughs> or it might have been a different movie then. No. He's in a different... I don't know, but he texted TJ me... TJ Miller is not in anything else besides Deadpool 2 and Silicon Valley. He's pretty much been fired out of the industry. Uh, Ready Player One. Yeah, see? Oh, shit, he's in that too. That that might have been it. His voice, but... Oh. You know what? This one guy at... Uh, after I saw... Um, I guess uh, he's Pete doing Holmes How to Train Your Dragon 3 also then, isn't he? I don't know. I didn't hear half of that. But I was, after I saw Pete Holmes talk, so it was like that crowd that would know TJ Miller, I went to a ride in and I was uh, getting something. And this stone guy kept following me around. 
So until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix. Oh, I-